Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Today. Case is my favorite blend. Right? And I know Mike's going to be giving me a new case of that here soon because we're out of it. This is the last one. So. Just slings that stuff, man. That's why. Hey, how you doing? You need a room? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I do. I guess Another, I do. Got a case coming your way pronto. I yeah. remember when he. I only have two cases left. You better hurry up and send me more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, Myatt, when Myatt was working at IGFA and he started, he got this partnership with PLR. IGFA used to work with PLR and uh, before we did Florida Kanya and uh, we, all this run would just show up at, mm-hmm. the, at the building, uh, yeah. IGFA and you know after 5 o'clock whatever like that, Mike and I would still be there, Adrian, whoever. Mm-hmm. Dude, we would just punish that blonde run. We had like so much of that <laughs> stuff. Blonde's good. Oh, we just every day after work sit there for listen to Mike tell stories for 30 minutes or something like yeah. that. Yeah, he's a good storyteller. Oh, that's yeah. for sure. So the funny, the funny story about the blonde is, you know, I really never had it before because I would, I'm just always a dark rum guy, yeah. dark rum guy. And, um, we had, um, you guys know, bombshell Michelle Dalton. Mm. She was on for our Christmas episode, like a couple of days before Christmas. And she's a really great cook. That's one thing, like not a lot of people understand about her. She's like top, top star chef. Right. So she's like, all right, well, I'm going to make this eggnog you know, our episode, right? And so she comes in with a whole jug full of it, and she's like, let's mix the blonde in there. And I had the blonde, and it was great. So we had, like, a blonde for a blonde kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, 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 And I was like, ever since we had it on that show, I'm like, man, that was so easy. So, yeah. so easy. But we're on the dark today. We're on the Marquesas today, so um, we're rolling. We're rolling. We're, we're live. So oh, okay. I want to just uh, welcome you guys to Connected by Water, presented by Joey Cardi Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. And fueled by Papa's Pilar. So it feels good to say that again. We have not podcasted for like a month, which is kind of weird for me because we're like all the time podcasting. Um, but obviously you look around and we are not in our old studio anymore. Right? Yep. We are officially in the new place. It's very cool. Yep. On Atlantic Boulevard at the foot of the bridge. And um, you know, we don't even have artwork up on the walls yet. You know, that that's how like new we are. We're set to open Aren't in about you an a artist? week. 
I am an artist. I, I should we have like, I mean, what's going I know on? that's that should be kind of weird. First, it's like a I have to put like you have to put a sign up here. This is like pardon our dust. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we're just still kind of moving in, but um, I'm completely a million percent honored uh, to have you two in as our first guest in the new store. So I'm here with Jack Vitek uh, from the IGFA, managing director, chief of staff. Is that the yeah, marketing mean, yeah, chief of staff. HBIC. We, we, we <laughs> talked like about that. that. <laughs> Something like right? that, man. Nah, and um, absolute legend, my friend. Um, Captain Carl Anderson mm-hmm. is joining us today. Um, and truly, truly, I mean, I'm Pleasure tickled to, to death here, that you're here, man. And this is, Pleasure just so people here. know, this is the first time we're meeting. Yeah, um, that's right. You know, it's a long time coming, but long first time, time we're coming. meeting. Yeah, so. Yeah, of all the places, we've probably been at the same time and Correct. never... never Never bumped into each other. Yep, absolutely. It took absolutely. a good Papa's Pilar to make yep. it happen. So we got the we got <laughs> the Marquesas going, and uh, that's how I get everyone to come in on the show. Free rum, right? Rum. So that's it. You know, you come Easy for, sale for free rum. So, <laughs> um, you know, I really don't know what we want to get in today, into today because today's unscripted. We are going to talk about the tournament, obviously, because we yeah. got the light tackle tournament coming up, mm-hmm. uh, and that is in two weeks. Correct. Well, we record oh. just so people know we record the show on a Monday. It aired on a Friday, so it's okay. going to be about just a little bit over a week until that tournament. Um, you, you can register right up to the end of it, right? Yeah, you can register Correct. up until, you know, the captain's meeting or whatever. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you uh, made the artwork for the tournament. I did. Know? So, uh, thanks to our mutual friend, Adrian, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, shout out to him. He made the connection there. Yep. And uh, great-looking piece over there. I don't have it here but oh thank you very flash much it up over i'll flash there. it up yeah. yeah yeah it's uh really sharp so we're looking forward to seeing those shirts uh the igfa light tackle open man yeah mm-hmm. so february just a good quick plug here february sure, yeah. 9th through 11th mm-hmm. out of sailfish marina palm beach uh palm beach shores um three grand entry fee mm-hmm. but the real cool thing about it is it's a 12 pound test right maximum and that's um, provided yep we provide it and so it's uh Basically, we work with Andy Monofilament up in Palm, West Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chuck is always good to us, hooks us up, and uh, we pre-test the line at IGFA like we would for a world record mm-hmm. um, just to make sure everything's good to go and it's under that 12-pound mark. You don't have any you know, bad line or anything like that you're giving out. Um, I think Carl had an issue with that last year. We uh, got him some what additional happened? spools. It happens. Just had, had a spool that, uh, that you know didn't measure up, and shame on us for not checking it before we put it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I... That's on me, totally, 100%. We should have checked it before we put it on. But, uh, you know, whenever you're fishing anything like that under 20, it's, you know, it's imperative to check all that stuff. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. I mean, even a good spool can have a bad spot in the middle. So, you know, that was that was all on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, we learned from it, and uh, now we got some more for this year, and I've already got some backup spools that I already tested. <laughs> yeah. gotcha. <laughs> yep. Gotcha. Too, That's to right. make sure we're good. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is a great format. It's a really cool tournament. And, yeah, and it's such it, an interesting tournament. It got back to, uh, you know, we – kind of threw this thing around and and uh everybody they kind of looked at me with hairy eyeballs but i said we need to make a true light tackle tournament you know 20 pound anymore is like rope everybody's using it uh you know charter fishing they're not using igfa lines so basically they're 20 pounds breaking at 28 26 Mm -hmm. and i said let's put some angling skill back in the thing and make the anglers the anglers not crew not deckhands not mates not professional guys who are switching on different boats let's let the anglers be anglers and let the crew be crew and Put everybody up against each other. You can live bait, you can troll, whatever your pleasure. Mm-hmm. And that was based on where the fish were, right? Mm-hmm. Like if the fish are going to be up north in Stewart, you want to be able to troll. If you right. want to, you know, if they're going to be down here on the live bait bite, well, you want to be able to go down here in live bait where they're where they're fishing, so that you had a shot to catch more fish, and the tournament would be more successful. 
And uh, but I thought the twelve pound format would really put angling back in it, which is like everything that the IGFA stands for is the ethical angling and following the angling rules. Yep. And uh, to what a better way to showcase that and give anglers a shot to really get better with tackle, mm-hmm. um, you know, and not use, you know, I mean, 20 the pound test. The of fishing. Sure. Yeah. You and know? Make them fish by IGFA rules, too. So a lot of these tournaments, you know, or you're seeing more and more of like the, the hook and hand mm-hmm. kind of policies that are being allowed. Um, which is a you know one of the big things against IGFA rules. You have to do from the time the fish strikes the bait or the lure, only the angler can be the person that's you know touching the rod, the reel, or anything like that. So um, you know, getting back to that, I feel like is is something that uh, it's just you know, it's, it's fishing. You know, it's fishing, yeah. and you're not you're not uh, you know you're not uh, relying on someone else to do it for you. So it's angling skills what we wanted to get back to, and a, just a, a fun tournament you know there's no money there's no big prize it's just right. uh you know bragging rights clout you know clout yep. having a you know, your name on that awesome you know bodo uh, trophy that we have the perpetual um so yeah we're, we're stoked man it's our second year we had nine boats last year kind of small uh but we're already up around mid-teens and we got a couple weeks left so i think we'll be up we'll, we'll get up there we'll have a good tournament this year um have some good guys fishing you know carl and his team we've got uh, the Ma Sheila, you know, Scott Levin and, and Will Tomlinson are coming back. They won it last year. So we got some good teams fishing it, man. It's, it's, uh, well, I'm sure if you're fishing in this tournament, I mean, you know what you're doing and you're, you're, and you're a reputable team. I mean, and that, yeah. that's what it's all about. I Absolutely. Think, this tournament. You know, and then the other thing I like about it too, is like in the grand, like myriad of all these tournaments, it adds just a different layer yeah. to the portfolio of South Florida tournaments, totally. too, which, which which is what I really like about it the most. Yeah. Is is like it's not just another sailfish tournament. That's right. right. You know. That's right. It, 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 and you, it's like if you're going to open a restaurant, you don't want to open a, compete with McDonald's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you want to you want to compete with the best of the best, right? right. So, uh, you know, the, the the fact that this is a uh, you know a, a higher tier, uh, I kind of, you know, I put it up against the Masters and I put it up against the Gold Cup, both of which I have fished and. Uh, you know, they're still fishing 20-pound test, and if you're going to be a master angler, yeah, you know, they, yeah. Ought, to, they ought to be fishing 12. Right. Um, you know, but uh, but they don't, and that's fine. That's their deal, and it's a great tournament. I've always enjoyed fishing it and always enjoyed having those guys because they are good anglers, uh, most of them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get a couple <laughs> of them to come down some, and fish this tournament. Been, there's been a few that have uh, not had good days, let's say. <laughs> but, uh, but, but anyway, this, I, I think, you know, this does put that other layer into the, the this tournament season mm-hmm. because every weekend it seems we've got a tournament going on somewhere between Fort Pierce and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Miami or the oh, Keys. Oh, geez, this time of year, yeah. I mean, you got people, it's like yeah. real estate. Yeah. You know, people are jockeying for space like, oh, we can't have it this weekend because it's that one. We can't oh, have yeah. it this weekend. Absolutely. It's that one. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and coincidentally, even speaking, I mean, we got I mean, locally here speaking, mm-hmm. we got the Cove tournament. Which is the same weekend as your tournament, so that's another one where it's just like, yeah. you know, what I mean? but it's I think of that one's two different crowds, so it's not that big a deal. But sure. you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, but you got it's. I think it's this time of year. There's something every weekend, like yeah. you know, from here on out, all the way to April. Piles yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. And then and then all the keys tournaments kick in, and you got yep. you know Jamie's new tournaments kick in, and yep. it just doesn't really stop until September. No, yeah, and really, then, yeah, and, and and if you leave here and go up the coast. You know, and end up in the Northeast. You got the same problem up there. Yeah. You know, what I mean, it's tournament. It's just, it's just a barrage, and and uh, and that's okay. But that's what drives people to use their boat too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is something we all need because we, you know, we get to sell tackle, we get to sell artwork and T-shirts, and mm-hmm. you know, we get to support organizations that help us uh, with sustainability and and uh, 
you know, managing resources, and uh, you know, all that feeds into the deal. It's and, an economic uh, driver. One hundred percent. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's. I think it's. You know, people need to recognize that Huge. tournament circuit, that tournament scene, oh, yeah. is an economic driver Huge. for South Florida, South Florida fishing, South Florida tourism. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's very important element to it. Absolutely. I mean, even I know we don't like. Um, we don't really dig too deep into the COVID thing on this show, just because mm -hmm. I don't want that to be like a crutch conversation. You right. Know what I mean, to where we just oh, just you, nothing yeah. else to talk about. Talk about the weather. Talk about COVID. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. but but real the, rea the reality of it is is like you know, with people were concerned, you right. know, with COVID, with the, the tournament scene, and some tournaments were postponed, some tournaments were canceled, some tournaments were pushed through. But it was one of the events that you were still able to have yep. during all this. So it's just so yep. I think that's kind of cool too. Yep. Yeah, people are. I mean, look at the fishing industry in general. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I can't remember what it was, but it's like you added some over the past year, like uh, some million. I want to say it's either a, from re some reason sticking in my head is like thirteen million. Mm -hmm. Could be one point three. I don't know, but it's been a lot of people that have been introduced to the sport over the past year that started getting involved in recreational fishing. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's probably not these guys that are out here with big giant boats and and doing the tournaments, but from the ground level up. Know, based on the COVID situation, people want to get outside, people want to fish. And, you know, fast forward that to the guys that have, that do tournaments, you know, what better way, you know, you can still have a tournament responsibly. You're still in your own kind of bubble and you don't want to participate in the social events that go on with the tournament. Mm -hmm. Like all of our stuff's going to be outside for the, right. for the light tackle open. Sailfish has that great lawn space. We've got tents, the whole nine yards if it's, if it's raining. Um, we have space heaters if it's going to be super cold. Um, so, you know, I think you can do things responsibly like that, but the fact that we're seeing, I think the silver lining from our angle from, from COVID is that all these people are coming into the sport. Mm -hmm. You know, IGFA membership last year, for just for, for an example, we had a first year of, like, double-digit growth in membership than we've had, you know, that I can since I've been there. That's outstanding. So it's just, outstanding. you know, it's just, I think more people are getting involved, and it's stuff that we're doing, too, that I think is helping to, to reverse that trend. But long story short is more people are fishing uh, because of COVID. Um, yeah. So the thing that I think that from people that are in the recreational fishing industry, we obviously want to grow that base, making sure that we can try to retain these people so that maybe not this year, they're not fishing the tournament, but two or three years from now, right. they build their skill up and then, hey, you know what? I'm going to go fish that 12-pound tournament. I could do that. For sure. You know? yeah. So. yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's that also speaks to, like, I know maybe not in other sectors of this sector or whatever, you know, we don't get into politics on the show, but um, if you don't believe in, like, tri trickle-down, like, economic theories, I mean, that's one of them right there. You know what I mean? Whereas if boat sales are up, then tackle sales are going to be up. Custom yep. custom fishing the, apparel is going to be up. The evidence is there. You know there. what I mean? So we had a great year. You know what I mean? Yep. Be, because yeah. of that, we didn't really see the sure. drop off. You know, because yeah, sure. boat sales were up. Boat sales were up. Tackle That's sales it. are up. Yeah. Uh, participation is way up. Um, you know, people are out and doing things. They, you know, hard to travel internationally. Yeah. So what are we going to do? We need something to do, and we need mm -hmm. to get out of the house and get our kids involved. So junior angling has become a real big deal. Um, you know, I, I, I just see the whole thing as, as a positive from a giant negative. Yeah, you know, what, right. Which, which was really a downer is, has turned into a good thing for those of us in this industry. You know, it's been a real good deal. And, uh, and, and I think it'll carry through because uh, once people get hooked on this fishing thing it's it's hard to get out of it you know it's, it's yeah this fishing <laughs> thing yeah, yeah. We, so. we, we, we've all crafted a life around it <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yeah. and with god willing and thank god you know, yeah. that, that we're able to do that because it's For sure it's a, it's a heck of a life i can tell you <laughs> it really is you know and you know i have a theory and i hope i'm wrong but i think the used boat market's going to be hot in the next couple of years because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> some of these yeah. guys that got themselves into those little 20 footers <laughs> yep. they probably not 
don't know what they're getting themselves into. And There's going to be a fair yeah. share of that. <laughs> so, but I hope they all turn into more advanced anglers, and those are just like yeah. maybe they're graduating to a bigger one. Right? Yeah. So hopefully that's, that's there, the there'll case. Be, there'll be some of both. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully more of them stay in and, uh, you know, realize what can be done. And, be and, and, and that's a confidence builder too, right? You start small and grow up big and... You know, that's I mean that's the that's the story of this industry. I mean, we all started out with our little boat and kind of moved up. I mean, I had a dinghy when I was five six years old. You know, rode it around the lagoon. Then I got a three horsepower outboard and I was badass. <laughs> you know, I'm like, man, I'm like, this is I can remember trying to troll in my lagoon for bluefish. I was a little kid. I wanted to replicate what my dad was doing. You know, yeah. And I uh, never had a chance in hell of catching anything, but you know, but it was cool. I was trolling. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's just well, you you're just originally from up north, right? Beach Haven, New Jersey. Beach Haven, New Jersey. Or Beach Island. Yeah. Yeah. My whole family's from New Jersey. I ended up and I ended up marrying a Jersey girl. I'm a Florida native, but I'm Good the youngest you. of six. They're all from New Jersey. But, wow. Yeah. Wow. So I got I got that connection with you. Now you I mean, I don't know, like, you know, I, I hope everyone in our crowd understands who you are. You know what I mean? For but for those that don't, right? I, I want to backtrack and give give a little context here. You've done pretty much just about everything there is to do. I feel yeah. right. Am I wrong for a saying lot. that? No, yeah, I mean, no, I've you, done a lot. You have had a storied career, literally a storied career. I've been in a long um, time. I started very yeah. young. You so, know? give us some background on that. I mean, you've written for every magazine. Yeah. Um, you've worked tight, closely with the IGFA for years. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you're an accomplished captain. Um, you, where do you want to start with with answering some of that background with you? A lot of lucky breaks and um, meeting the right people. And uh, having opportunities that bred other opportunities. And uh, I'm a firm believer of when you get an opportunity, if if it's the right opportunity, you take it and you run with it, and that brings you something else. And it's just kind of a, you know, you open up a door, you climb through a window, you do whatever, you get you here and there. And, yeah. Um, but experience is always, you know, the, the, the winner in anything you do. The more experience you have, the more successful you'll be um, if you work at it. And uh, I think that happened for me. You know, I was exposed to uh, all the boat builders in New Jersey as a young guy and, uh, you know, started fishing offshore uh, as a mate when I was 13, I guess, on a charter boat. And then I uh, went offshore. 13 is a mate. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep, $22 a day and all the tips I could stand. <laughs> and, I lear- and I learned real quick, like, you know, like, like the more you interacted with the people and the more, you know, the better the tips were, right? Right. And uh, so you learn uh, how to handle a guy who's uh, working in a, in a factory at a, you know, blue-collar job. And then you learn to deal with executives uh, who are running multi-billion-dollar companies and um, treat them both the same. And uh, you learn from them both. You really do. You learn a ton about Treat them both the same. It's very important, yeah. I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hey, man, you're, you're there to serve them and help them. And uh, it's just like being a waiter or a waitress, I suppose, but uh, probably you know, with a different skill set. And then, you, you know, the fishing comes, you know, and you end up finding yourself doing different things and, you know, going offshore and marlin fishing off New Jersey and, and getting with some guys because you had a little bit of skill. You could do things and guys that were here in Florida and everything. And then you come down here and, you know, I got – to go to Cat Key and uh, tuna fish on the little 42 Merritt Cat's Meow because I knew those guys, and I got to, I got that deal in, uh, That's good name. I guess, 1982 like or 83. That. And mm-hmm. uh, classic boat, great crew. You know, Charles Perry was the other mate, and I, and John Sabonis was the captain. And uh, get over there, and we're, we're there for 45 days and fishing every day, mm-hmm. looking for giants on the edge. And, you know, I met Peter Wright. I met Bart Garnsey. I met Obie O'Brien. And, I mean, all you know, Danny Bear. I mean... Yeah, the, the great best, ones. The best of the best. Great ones. 
right? Like, yeah. you know. You probably throw a Skip Smith in there too. That's Smith yeah. Skip. He wasn't at Khaki, but I met yeah, Skip but he, during he, that yeah, time. All over. You know? during that, yeah, during that, that's that's that, that was whole St. Thomas. Era the next, was right in those eighties. Absolutely. Yeah. And down in St. Thomas and everything, and then uh, you know, and you and you you think about it, and those guys, you know, after like two or three years of knowing Pete, seeing him every season, you know, he said, "Hey, man, you got to come over to the Reef." You know, mm-hmm. my degree is in uh, television production. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I went. To, I didn't know that. Oh, shit. Yeah, I went to uh, went to Kutztown University in Pennsylvania, and I uh, got my degree in telecommunications, and I uh, was shooting all kinds of stuff and sound guy actually i was a yeah. sound guy oh really yeah and oh so uh, this this is a very elementary <laughs> setup for you then so, yeah so, so we're yeah. trying to tell you what's you know, going on here simple. and you're like yeah buddy i got you <laughs> now i got to do some crazy stuff right like i you know we were we shot sports recreate uh you know recruiting films for some of the big universities so mm-hmm. i was all over the place and then shot nfl game we did all kinds of stuff and health and safety training films for osha and uh, just lucky, just you know, mm-hmm. uh, made it. But I always came back every year. I didn't miss tuna season, right? Like I'd work all year so that I had May <laughs> and part of June off, so I could go tuna season. Well, that was like the mecca you at know? that point, right? Like cat. Yeah. Was that that was yeah. like for whether you yeah. anything in big game angling? Yeah. Everyone, wherever you are, you kind of came back to. That's it. It was it was the best of the best, and I'll never forget. Uh, you know, uh, John Sadowski said you could take the best marlin fisherman and put him at Cat Key. And he won't do anything. But if you take the best guy from Cat Key, you can put him anywhere in the world. And he'll catch more marlin than anybody <laughs> that's there. And that's true. I mean, like they're the best of the best were there. Interesting. You know, uh, I mean, you know, Peter B's caught more big anythings than anybody. Mm-hmm. Bluefin tunas, black marlin. You know, I mean, he he's got that down. And then and then Bart Garnsey. I mean, you know, there's nobody. And Skip. I mean, those two guys invented light tackle. Light tackle uh, for sure. You know, bait switch fishing. I mean, like, yeah. You know, they're the masters of the game. You know, they are the Picasso and the and the Renoir, whatever. I mean, those guys mm-hmm. are the top of the heap and uh, still are because there's only one or two guys doing that now. You know, it's um, amazing how much of that also comes back to Pompano. Oh, yeah. Hillsboro Inlet, I mean, it's, it's such an interesting little town. Hillsboro you know I mean? Inlet. And, and this is why. This is another. I mean, I grew up here, too. You know what I mean? But this is also why that we're like, man, we just got to be. Yeah. You know, and this is yeah. why we moved the store here. Like, we just yeah. got to be here because for no other reason but that. Yep. You know, yeah. Because this is just the place. I'm sorry. This it's yeah. all like I call it the the cradle of fishing. Mm. Like I, I this is this is the town that it's just like there's no BS. It's just all about that. Yeah. And you got some of the like the most hardcore guys coming out of here. No doubt. Like the Hunt family. Yep. You know, I mean, Stan and Casey and all yep. those guys are like a perfect example. Of yep. That. Or the, and the the Matic family. Yep. You know, Skip Dana, Art Sapp. Yeah. I mean, you got you, you get that next generation of heavy hitters that follow Super in the footsteps of those guys that you just mentioned. Super quality all guys. Come from here. Yeah, absolutely, and really talented fishermen, like unbelievably talented fishermen, mm-hmm. and work at it hard. Yeah. And you know, there's a common thread and all that. Yeah. It's hard work. Hard right? work. And uh, putting your time in and. And culture, just the culture sure. of the town. The culture. It's it's almost yeah. like they, like you look at all right, Timmy Maddox's son. Yeah. Just broke the state record yeah. last week yeah, yeah. For, for that swordfish. Yeah. And that's a perfect example of what we're talking about right yep. now. Yep. I mean, it's just like, that's a kid. <laughs> and Hunter Irvine, too, the one that he was fishing. Mm-hmm. Those are two kids yeah. that grew up knowing nothing else. Right. This yeah. is it. This is just like for them. That was their weekends. That was their weekends. That was their nights. It. That's what we did with our dads. Yeah. That's right. Cool. And that's, you know, yeah. That's it. You know what I mean? And it's just. And I don't mean to talk over you on no, that, all that stuff, off. but they're going to take it off, and, uh, and then they'll they'll carry it. And you're right, like Hillsborough Inlet's an interesting place, you know. 
it was the spot. And then, of course, having merits here didn't hurt. Correct. Right? Like, you know, mm. Rybovich, you know, started the whole deal. And then uh, in the 70s and 80s, you know, the Rybovich yard went through a lot of changes and, you know, it was bought out and they stopped building boats of uh, any sort of reputation. And then, you know, and, and you know, Roy had had these 37s and 43s and, you know, this great stuff going on. And then all of a sudden the big boats, mm-hmm. right, to travel. You know, Don Tyson gets a 62-footer, and, and Rick DeFeo takes it all the way to Chile. You know, I mean, yeah, what, you know, on, a, <laughs> on your own chug home, chug chug. you know, yep. and had success, right? They caught swords and everything, and Roy was building these boats. Everything on them is oversized, this and that and the other, and, you know, and, and like I said, I came here in, I guess, 1982, three. It was my first time to come to the yard and go tuna fishing, and then I've been coming back ever since, and, you know, my career has been blessed with the best comp- the best equipment that money can buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I came back, started to run boats. You know, I had a 37 Rybovich, the Briar Patch. Then we had the 45 Rybovich. Then we got a 58 Merritt. And then we built a 72. And um, all meant to go and do and travel. And, you know, we shipped the 58 to Madeira in 2006. I sent it over there. And, um, you know, we had a great season, had a huge mm-hmm. time, and, and uh, caught a lot of big fish. And, you know, went up all through the Mediterranean, and, man, you know, that's... Got Madeira. You know, yeah. That's at the that top, man. Yeah, land of giants there. Yeah, right? uh, beautiful place, beautiful people, uh, great fishing. When, good food when the fishing's too. good, good food. Good food, no too. Good food. So we went back 10 years later. We did it in 16 with the Serenita, the 63-footer run. It's uh, right. Charles Duncan's boat, who's the chairman of IGFA, and, and uh, I did a deal with him. I went and leased the boat and, you know get some partners together and we'll go over and fish the thing again so we put it together we shipped it to the canaries and actually barky uh had the boat in the canaries and uh and then uh, i came over and did the did the madeira stint and uh then we went and fished mainland portugal again and uh because i had done that in 06 and funny story when we got to portugal barky and i got our boats he got his boat in genoa and i got off in in gibraltar in mm-hmm. 06 and barky's coming around the point when i'm on the ship offloading <laughs> so we spent a week in Gibraltar because it was blowing so hard we couldn't leave, getting the boats ready and everything. Then we went to this place, the Algarve. Mm-hmm. Nobody had ever heard of it. You know, nobody knew. We, that was going to be our launching to take off to go to Madeira. And uh, we're working on the boats and everything. Again, wind blows. You know, it's, it's May, right? And the wind's just honking. So we were stuck there uh, in this place called Villa Mora for, you know, like seven days. So we had a couple of days where, you know, we work half day. All right, let's go walk around and get a lay of the land and we'll rent a car and drive as we went to Lagos, started out to the corner and check that and you know we're doing a little homework and we're in this restaurant and there's this giant white marlin mm-hmm. like i mean it's a hundred pounder and it's a skin mount and everything and i'm like you know <laughs> skin mount bark you know that's what that going. There's, you know, there's something going on here right so uh we start talking to some local guys and met an igfa uh guy and he became buddies and augusto and i said uh you know, started asking him, and he says, oh, come with me. So he takes me to this little pub, and he has a guy there, and he's opening up his photo album, and he's showing us pictures of these fish that he hasn't caught. But he's hooking them. Right. And they're jumping and everything, and they're like, nice fish, right? And, and he goes, like, you know, we haven't caught one yet. We keep stripping us, and, you know, we're breaking them off and this and that. And I'm going, you know, We'll Bark, teach you how to bring them. Bark's like, <laughs> Bark, he's like, on the way home, you've got to come back here and fish. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. So I go to, you know, we get to Madeira. We have a really nice season. We, you know, we catch really nice quality fish. And uh, I had a great time. Anyway, we, I leave and I'm going back and I was, you know, I'm, I'm going to the Algarve and we're going to fish. 
So I get to the Algarve. Of course, I don't have any charters, but I got this guy, Augusto, and I said, Augusto, I'll cut you a deal. You get your guys from your fishing club. You just pay the fuel, and we'll take you fishing. It's all we, just, just cover my fuel. Yeah. And, uh, oh, sure, sure, sure. So we go out, and I run off to this place, the Picos, which is like a canyon, very similar to what I grew up fishing in New Jersey, right? And I'm looking at it. It's this canyon ends, and then there's these three mountains, the Picos. And uh, start my first tack. And, I mean, we're not even 15 minutes in. And, you know, rigor comes down. And I'm like, oh, shit, you know, some weed, whatever. Right. Just not expecting anything, you know. And I'm looking into the sun. And, you know, and next thing, man, you know, my man yells, you know, we're, we're tight, man. We're yeah. tight. I'm, you know, so I put the boat in a turn. And oh, there he is jumping. I'm like, holy smokes, we're on, you know. Anyway, get him up there. We put a sat tag in him. We called him 800, uh, you know, conservative. And uh, we're all jacked up. I'm like, all right, that's a hell of a day. It's a good start, yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, the guy that was the angler was this guy from England, and he had been fishing there for 30 years <laughs> to try and catch a blue marlin. That was his first one. No Come way. on. I swear. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. He had had a boat. He was in construction, right? And, he had, you know, he was a builder. Anyway, he had his boat there, and he'd been trying for 30 years to catch a marlin in there and couldn't, hadn't done it. So, anyway, we catch this guy's fish, and his wife, his wife was with us, and, you know, they're happy as can be. And... uh turn around and make a couple more tacks about 40 minutes later got another one and uh wind him up there you know holy moly it's another nice one about 800 right so we pop the tag in that one and i'm going well this isn't all bad you know this this will work wow and uh you know so we we finished out the day and i guess i guess i don't i think we had a white marlin bite too you know we i think pretty sure we did and uh anyway we go in and and uh the guy augusto comes and you know he's talking he goes Two fish, two fish, you know, like everybody's just like, oh my, you know, guys came from Portimao to be like, you know, you really, you caught two, you know. Really? And uh, from what I gathered, that was the first time that that had been done off mainland Europe, you know, not off an island, but off mainland Europe. Right. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty big deal to those guys. They were all jacked up and we were just like, man, God, that's the Let's go tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, For sure. Let's go. Yeah, we're not know? done. Yeah, you know, and, uh, and um, anyway, of course, it was like the middle of the week and these guys had to work and I couldn't get them going. And uh, I said, all right, well, you know, I'll hang out here for, like, three more days. And, you know, anyway, then the weather comes. So we couldn't fish. So as soon as the weather broke, I had to leave and go to Gibraltar to start my way to go meet the boss who was flying in to meet us at Nice and Antibes so we could go do Sardinia, Corsica, and Italy and all that stuff, you know, cruising deal. But uh, that, that's how it got going. That's, that's you know, great. So that's how it's good. Jack, thank you so much for bringing him in here. <laughs> Dude, no, it's got to be so crazy. That's phenomenal like, stuff. You know what I'm thinking is, like, how cool it must be to like find a place like that. Yeah, you, know, you guys have been like stoked. You've been like, oh my god, what yeah. like it's like a yeah, it was a needle in a unique point in time it that was. era because totally. you know, this is before internet and like global communications Absolutely. and everything like that. So it was true adventure, true discovery. Absolutely, there was Where? no no internet. People didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I mean, we didn't. You know, I didn't have. I didn't even have a sat phone on that boat. You know, I mean, I didn't have any of that stuff. You want to make yeah. you wonder though, is like where else is there a spot like that? Now, there's got to be still some spots out there. I know everything's pretty much right out front. Of <laughs> right right yeah. Yeah. But you know, there's some places over there in like the South Pacific, I would think. Yeah. That, you know, very hard to get to. Um, you know, people know about Ascension, some of those hard places to get to. But I mean, some place that maybe is still yet to be discovered. You know, I think there's got to be some stuff out there still. I think that haven't, you know, had the full breadth of, of sport fishing hit them yet. Pressure. You know? Well, if anyone's yeah. going to know, it's like you. Because you for the big ones, right? Because yeah. you guys are, you know, when I say you, I mean IGFA, you yep. know, like because you guys are registering all over the world, right? And, yeah. and yep. you know, so 
do you find like every now and then you're you're getting like a location for a world record that you're like, wow, I didn't even know that that was a fishery. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, one thing that we've seen in the past couple of years, which is, I mean, there's probably a variety of examples, but one thing for the offshore world, I think, is typically, if you look at the record books for short-billed spearfish, which is a, typically they're only, you know, if you want to go target short-billed spearfish, you go to Hawaii. Yeah, you go Kona, to Kona. Yeah, yeah. And that's your spot where you can catch them, I guess, fairly regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been seeing some giant specimens, which makes sense because it's at the, the edge of their range, uh, coming out of New Zealand. People mm-hmm. catching big, short-billed spearfish out of New Zealand, and I think Australia, too. So, and they're just, you know, 80, no, not 80, 80 like, yeah, eight, some of the 80-pound fish, which is a big, short-billed spearfish. You know, right. I think for, you know, a typical fish would probably be in the, I've never caught one, probably in, like, the 20-30-pound yeah, yeah, range, I think, yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah, something like that. So they're getting some big specimens down in wow. New Zealand, which is cool. Um, but you know, the, the cool thing is like how you see new fisheries develop. Like, and this isn't like an offshore thing, but I can just think off the top of my head from records wise, milkfish, you guys know about milkfish. It's like a bonefish on steroids. You know, they have giant okay. tails. Yeah. Um, silverfish are, you know, Indo-Pacific, uh, you don't get them in the Atlantic. Um, but they're inshore, like kind of flats fishery, you know, mm-hmm. and these fish get up to like 40 pounds. Um, and you know they're they're, they're a forty cra- pound bone right? they're crazy <laughs> giant eyes you know so they're super spooky same with like well I didn't know this until you know I learned a lot of things at IGFA um, different several different species of permit around the world probably the most mm-hmm. popular that's coming up is the called the Indo Pacific permit or um, in, I think it's called the snub nose pompano is the actual name really what we call it as but people call it the Indo Pacific permit mm-hmm. um, you know Seychelles. Exmouth in Australia, which is a new kind of budding fishery, um, which is looks like an awesome place to go to. Um, but yeah, so the, you get all these these two different species of fish, um, and you go you start looking at other things too. I mean, uh, in Papua New Guinea, uh, there's a species of snapper. It's a freshwater snapper called Papua black snapper, mm-hmm. and these things are just nasty. They're like they get up to like 50, 60 pounds. Really? They're just awesome in, like, fish. Cabrera I want to go. They're on my bucket list. Yeah, they're they're in like they're in like these tight creeks with all these yeah. all this debris and sticks in there and everything and just like just gangsters, man. Just like, this, <laughs> wow. You know, you, like you troll for them and they just crush and they the guys are fishing like one thirty pound braid for these things, which is probably overkill, but right. they just you know breaking rods and everything like that. So I mean, just crazy to see like fisheries kind of come up as as people you know start to learn about them. Yeah. Look at snakehead, man. Yeah. In Asia, snakehead is like largemouth bass. Here in the states, largemouth yeah. bass, everyone you know that's like the, the most right. popular fish, right? Yeah, every, like the more anglers fish for largemouth bass, mm-hmm. or whatever than anything else. Yeah. In Asia, like certain like Malaysia and places like that, these guys are diehard snakehead fishery, and we think them as you know they're like kind of an invasive species, yeah, which they are here. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah, but but they get you know just these giant. I think they get up to like 25, 30 pounds. The giant snakeheads, not the same species that we have yeah, here. Different. But gee, we got like you know how many? There's like probably twenty different species of snakehead plus out there. Right. So. I don't know. It's and just it's neat. even like bass, like largemouth bass. Like there's different strands of that uh-huh. as you get more south yep. towards Florida, from Georgia towards Florida and everything. There's oh, like yeah. different strands. Even like down below the lake here, Lake yeah. Okeechobee, you get completely different well, type of largemouth bass. Most of the snakeheads are the Aquarius, aquarium genus, right? Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, that's it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, look at like all the, the records. The, li- the lionfish. <laughs> the and lionfish. The, yeah. All your, all your records for largemouth bass. California. Because they yeah. took a Florida strain and they put it out there in California in these deep water lakes and they just flourish. Yeah. You know? I mean, wow. 
trout in these lakes and these bass are just smoking trout. Now we're getting huge. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I mean, that's why uh, it's, in, I don't know, it's it's cool, man. You, you get to see these different, uh, that's one of the many cool things about working at IGFA is like I'd say to seeing kind of like new fisheries develop where they've been there and people in the local area know about it. But then the rest of the angling world, Western, whatever you want to call it, finds out about it. Like, oh, that's a cool fish. I want to go fish for that. You know, you wonder, too, like, about, you're talking about the new fisheries, like, where that would be in the world. And you have to equate that a little bit to the culture, the infrastructure of places to get to. I know you guys mothership all over the place with these these boats, but some places. You guys. I I did look at him when I said that. Oh, yeah, not me either. Not not, not yet. I'm working on it. Yeah. Yeah, You let me know what you do. I'll I'll jump in on that. It is the way to go. But, you know. Really, that's few and far between because so much of it is dependent on you got to have the right boat, the right vessel, the right crew. Just yep. like you're saying, you went yep. to this guy went there for 30 years, didn't catch a fish, but yep. when you went with the right people, he caught two in one day. Yeah, right. Right? right. Mm-hmm. So if you look at places like the Philippines or even just like Southeast Asia, Southwest Asia, yeah. right? And uh, India, Bay of Bengal, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There's probably like monster fish there, yeah. but they're probably not being caught because most of the people that are going out off India or just in like, you know, for all lack of a better term, wicker boats. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, there's some, or are they, or are they really, there's like sport fishing isn't really looked upon the same in that part of the world as it is here. Well, you got to look at man perspective on things for people like that. Like India, you know, I think we have the luxury here of completely being, you know, having poverty scale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and that's the thing too, it's not the dovetail into conservation, yeah. but you see a lot of the times, uh, like, you know, you think of large-scale commercial fishing where you have mm-hmm. these giant fleets that go out there, and that's that's obviously a big concern. But then what a lot of people don't understand is the, um, like, artisanal fleets, artisanal mm-hmm. fishing and, like, local fishermen. And, uh, it's different better, countries. That's, better, that's a better term than, than wicker boats. Well, no, I, I mean, it's... The one I use, right? but well, that, I mean, that's good, though. It's not the Philippines. Yeah. I mean, this is in the Caribbean. This is in mm-hmm. Costa Rica. And this is in Central America right in our backyard um, where these guys are going out. And a lot of times it's unregulated. You know, they don't... You don't know right. how many fishes are fish are being caught, and um, so it's obviously a concern, right? And you go in and you're like, you know, we have to learn more about this. We have to, you know, stop this artisanal fishing. But then you think about it, you take a step back, and like this guy's, this guy's trying to feed his family. Yeah. So how how's your argument on that? You know, like, mm-hmm. well, no, don't kill that fish because it's if you release it, and you know, think about all this stuff you could do. You know, you could you know start a whole operation and yada yada yada. You could you know charter boats and do a whole thing, which makes perfect sense. And yeah, in a perfect world yeah that's what you want to have happen but you know i put myself in that guy's shoes like if i'm trying to feed my family it's like I'm a not, grandfather clause situation not, there it's like yeah, really has nothing to do with the rest I'm of the not, world i'm not going to be yeah. thinking about i'm not going to be thinking about how i could grow a business right you know by releasing this tuna or this sailfish or whatever that i catch i'm like i'm bringing that thing in the boat i'm gonna you know i'm i gotta feed my family or pay someone's gonna buy this to allow me to get money to feed my family so that's a big thing and i feel like um you know that that a lot of people don't understand or realize, but you know, rather than being, I, I had to take a different approach by being so quick to like, I don't want to say judge, but be like, you know, condemn it. It's like, mm-hmm. you gotta find a way to educate these people a little bit more. Eventually, this is long, big scale kind of things, but dude, food security. I mean, you gotta feed yourself. Yeah, it's like you this Venn diagram so, situation where it's like we think we know everything, but every now and then some different situation yeah. is gonna overlap that. It's not that easy. Yeah, you know, it's like not. to convince someone that, no. you know, to stop doing something that provides for your family to, for the, greater good you know it's it's like we're all about conservation here i'm sure everyone at this table is you know what i mean we believe in that responsible sustainability responsible management everything like that 
And then sometimes you see that picture on Facebook or something of that guy, like with the sailfish over his shoulder riding a bike. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. I look it's, at that and I go, you're damn right. That dude's yeah. probably like scored something big for his family or at least taking that home and they're feasting tonight. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, some people might think it's strange. Right, John? Don't you think that some people might, might be think strange. it might be strange? You know what else is strange? What's that? Strange questions that are people have emailed into us to ask. You oh guys yeah. Today. yeah. Well, hold on. Before we do that, why don't you? Uh, yeah, let's fill. You you know, this is a perfect time to fill up because give me a refresher. this is the Papa's Pilar strange questions. Oh god. Right, so it is I the. Hope it's it, not is from the it is the is it Papa Pilar. Is it, is it, is no, 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 no. We'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what we got here. This is the like a uh, Svengali, like Johnny Carson. Right. I have the questions in right here. So let's let's top up here. You got the and a shout out Marquesas here. You want to report that? Sure. Sure. Yep. All Big right. shout out to uh, I'll do this plug for to uh, to Mike Mike Myatt. Yeah, Mike Myatt, uh, good what friend. I think, I'll think of everyone here. Rum purveyor. Rum purveyor. Right. Uh, Rum purveyor. We Papa's got blonde. Pilar. We, that was only a little bit here. Never so I got blonde and I got you. Want to do a hybrid mix here? Oh yeah, mix right? it up. You want sure. to, you more dark? You want the blonde here? Uh, blonde's already blonde, open, man. That's blonde's fine. Already open, right. Don't have to be too picky with it. Okay. I'm with you. You know, they make this every day. They make it every you can day. have as much as you want. <laughs> there you go. That's the beautiful thing That's about right. Papa's Sending. Being, being an ambassador, you know, it's quite a pleasure to uh, know that they make this every day. Never I, when I get home, When I get home at the end of the day, that's exactly right. Right. I'm never so a spectator. I'm going to do a little mix there. So the blonde and the dark. Excellent. I'm out too. So John over there. <laughs> I'm hiding. You want more ice, John? Are you good? Um, technical support yeah, needs a little, yeah. little lubrication. Technical, technical support. So <laughs> this is our halftime here in the in the show. Yeah, you give me right. a scoop of ice. Yeah. All right. You yeah. can use one of those cups. Like, yeah, I'll give you a, He wants to put it in the microwave for you. Yeah. Warm it up. Non COVID cup. There you go. Thank you. You got it. You're good. All right. Anyone else need more ice? I'll have a little ice. Yeah, here. While we're in there. Right. So for those of you uh, listening to the audio portion of this and not watching on, on YouTube, we're, we're taking a little uh, refill break here. So, so all right. So, all right. So I got the strange questions here. And what this is, is this is a section, a segment that we do um, every show. And I will email some people that you guys may or may not know. Um, and I'll ask them, say, hey, you want to ask these guests a question? And, you know, and they will. So oh, I'm nervous. We got about, <laughs> let me see, uh, one, two, three, four, five inquiries here for today's show. And we are going to have a little fun. All right. right. Some, of them may be strange, like some of them may be strange. Some of them may be simple, but they might be good answers. Right. So our first question comes from Rufus Wakeman. Ah. Right, which uh, Rufus is a steward of the sport yep. and a fine gentleman at that. Yep. Um, and he's a very good friend of the studio. So, so he's got a question for each of you. First goes to Jack. Uh, what's the strangest world record that you've ever certified? <laughs> strangest world record I've ever certi- certified. Like we've talked about some strange <sighs> fish here today. So I, I don't know if there's if any of those fall into that category. You know, or we, what you what caught you off guard maybe. He certified one that wasn't really a record. That would be pretty strange. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's probably more about it's, it's probably more about the ones you reject than okay. than you don't than you certify. Because I mean, we get species. That's probably of, a better answer. You're right. You get species of fish, uh, you know, all sorts of different stuff, man. Like, any, like so for for an IGFA world record, any species right. can qualify for an all tackle. Like a pleca. 
<laughs> on a gold cook. Anything <laughs> for an all tackle record. Any any fish applies. Obviously, right. your more popular game fish species, like you know, your. Is it really any fish applies? Like like even those aquarium fish. Any fish applies <laughs> as long as it's over one pound. Okay. As long as it weighs over one pound and it's in the top fifty percent of that fish's maximum weight. So say it's some weird fish that's never been caught before or never, you know, no one no one's ever submitted for a record. We'll go and we'll look up online. Say okay, it's. This fish is X, Y, and Z. You know, the, the guys that we have in the ichthyologists at IGFA, our conservation department, those guys will spec out the fish. Be like, yep, that's what it is. Um, the guys that Adrian's bugging all the time. like Adrian. Yeah, you know, this, is, this would be like Jason or Bruce, the guys yeah. in the conservation department, or Zach. Uh, you know, these guys that have the background in fisheries identification, stuff like that. And, uh, like a willy-eyed shagtail eel? Dude, all that weird <laughs> crap. Dude, we get so much weird stuff that people catch and they submit. No joke. Yeah. No joke. Eels, all sorts of stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, Japan. Dude. Oh, Japanese yeah, are big on submitting weird fish, right? Uh, so we get some strange stuff out of Jap- uh, Japan. But anyways, as long as it has that's to so- be caught in open water, though, too, it can't be caught out of a tank. Oh yeah, we can get in- yeah, right. <laughs> no, t- no tanks. <laughs> uh, no. Anyways, there's so many so many different things right. that came into my head right there with examples. But anyways, so we spec out this fish. Okay, it's all right. This is it's fish X, Y, and Z. It's max weight. We see on you know we look it up online. Max reported weight is ten pounds. So that fish has to weigh at least five pounds, half of the maximum weight. For it to qualify mm-hmm. or registered length. So a lot of the times these fish have like zero data on them. This is the cool thing about all tackle records because a lot of people out there are thinking like, why do you want to keep fish, you know, records for all that kind of weird stuff, which I get it. There's a lot of people out there that like targeting these different species. Um, but at the same time, we are able to give, you know, a lot of times if you look up online what the max weight of a fish is, like through fish base or other places, it's IGFA that provides that data because right. it's not, that's the reason where it came from. So it's kind of cool from that standpoint, but um, what I'm getting back to is we get a lot of weird, a lot of weird records in for fish that, you know, you would not think that would come in IGFA, but we do. Um, but that's not the surprising part. Probably the the most, the, the biggest surprise or the, or the, whatever the question was, like the weirdest fish or whatever we rejected. Yeah. Strangest world record. The strangest world record situation we ever did is without a doubt, the all tackle or was the, going to be the all tackle landlocked striped bass that led IGFA down a four year litigation or lawsuit basically so we we got this record application and guy from arkansas called up this was when i was working at the records office when i started igfa i started as the records coordinator so i was the guy that accepted all that stuff and dealt with the people so this guy the guy that screwed it up i screwed it up i screwed it up i I did man I, i learned a lot from this so anyways this guy came in and he was like you know he was the nicest guy on the phone he's like man i caught this record he's from arkansas uh, he's like, I caught this huge landlocked striped bass. You know, sent me the pictures, the email, everything like that. And I, you know, that's that's big enough to qualify. I walked him through the process. Like, but I got this question. You know, I have this. You know, I have this. I caught it on this homemade lure that I made, and uh, so he sent me pictures of it. And you guys familiar with the Alabama rig? You know, the Alabama rig. It's like mm-hmm. basically a spreader, like a small spreader bar, like a small dredge yep. that yeah. you can cast. Yep. And they all have a variety of different hooks on it. Some will, you know, have like three hooks, hook baits, but you have like, you know, eight or twelve different little things. Right. You know, like you know, teasers, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them. Sorry, he caught Basically it on one. It's a spread. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dredge. Yeah. yeah. It's a dredge, dredge with, with hooks. hooks. Yeah. But you can cast. I'm like, dude, I don't know, man. I don't think that's legal. You know, IGFA rules, you know, but you know, here's the thing people don't understand is that IGFA rules, right? We have all these different rules for what you can do, but like, we don't, there's no possible way you could have a rule for every situation that applies, mm-hmm. right? Or every piece of tackle that applies. There's a lot that is left with interpretation, which is why we have a board of directors, why we have a, you know, a, a rules committee. And we can push these things through. So 
the guy was like, hey, you know, I want to submit this record. That's why you guys are the best, though. He's like, I want this record. You know, I, you know, I, I think I caught it. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know about that lure. He's like, well, I'm driving down. I'm like, okay. Two days later, the guy shows up at IGFA, drove from Arkansas, comes down, drops off this application, brings the lure. I mean, hell, we're out there in the pond at IGFA casting this thing. We caught a bass on it. You know, the same thing. Like, wow, okay, man. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll, we'll go through the process, right? I'm not, you know, can't guarantee you with this lure, you know, we try to tell people, like, if there's a blatant issue with a record before him, like, just don't bother spending the 50 bucks to submit it. Um, it's not going to go through, right? There's, a, there, there's an issue. So I said, listen, Rodney, you know, we'll, we'll do this for you. You know, we'll, we'll process this and, and we'll go through the process. But, you know, I'm not going to charge you right now. This is where I screwed up. I should have charged him. Ever since then, you have to go through the whole process. So then we're not going to charge you, man. Like, you know, I don't want to charge you this money. You drove all the way down here. Yada, yada. At this point, it was just like a regular record application. We had no idea there was something, something iffy behind it. So we go through the process. We send the information to our uh, rules committee and everything like that. I can't remember how exactly it goes, but, you know, we ended up saying, no, it's not going to be rejected. Part of IGFA rules say if you're going to reject a record because of the, you know, whatever reason, um, the angler has a right to appeal it, right? And if they appeal that, then it goes to the executive committee. So this is the chairman, vice chairman, uh, treasurer. Like there's like five guys at the top of IGFA as far as our board that make the final end-all decision. So we sent it to them, and they said they ratified what we said. No, rejected. Then comes out, this guy, and we had no idea about this, Mustad Hooks, which is you know reputable company, had started this competition, Mustad Hook a Million competition, which we didn't know anything about. And it was like five species. If it was like if you caught uh, all tackle, the biggest one ever, all tackle IGFA world world record for like five saltwater species and five freshwater species, iconic fish. Like no way someone's going to break this record. Mm-hmm. They would pay you a million dollars. So this guy had applied or put like two or three of these mustad hooks on the the lure that he used. So this guy was thinking he's getting a million dollar check. We had no idea about this contest. Mustad had never contacted IGFA. It wasn't until we rejected his record and came through that he came back and like, listen, this guy was from modest means, you know, like completely understand his kind of side of this thing. But he was like, so he's got a lot right. He's which we had no idea about, right? And so he's like, what he drove down? That thing (laughs) cost me a million dollars. Blah 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 blah. You guys are cheating me out of it. You guys are, you know. You know, IGFA has this, like, stereotype as being, like, this rich boys club and, you know, all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, not, not the case, you know? And he's like... It's more like a fishing nerds a, club, right? Yeah, you know? It's yeah. like, it, we we have people from all around the world that are members, you know? And yeah. Like, from people that fish... Just for, enthusiasts. We right? have people, people that, that fish for eels yeah. in <laughs> right. Japan to people right. that fish for blue marlin and do, you know, so we have everything. And uh, so anyways, the guy, you know, he this whole thing came out and, yeah, we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of four years. I sat in a room with... Uh, our chairman, Charles Duncan, and IGFA president at that time, uh, Rob Kramer, for probably 12 hours. When we eventually, you know, four years down the road, hindsight 2020, we should have wisened up from the beginning and said, Mustad, you're, we're bringing you in this. Right. Because the guy filed suit against us because we rejected his record. So we had, I had to sit through depositions. I had to do this whole nine yards. Finally, at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? Why don't we, you know, let's bring Mustad in on this. This is not, you know, they put this whole thing on. So we contacted Mustad. We're completely cordial about it. We're like, guys, listen, you put this contest on. We didn't know anything about it. Now we're, you know, Grant, we're a nonprofit. We do a lot of good work. We're 300K in the hole over the past couple of years from wow. legal fees. You know, like, so did they, so basically, Mustad required it had to 
It had to be an IGFA, IGFA record. Rules. It said it had to be approved IGFA all tackle record. And they had they didn't come to us beforehand. And this is no, you know, listen, I'm not having any beef with Mustad, but you know, no, of course not. You yeah. know, and it was just like, you know, they came to us. So that was without a doubt. I mean, it was a four year process. We wow. finally ended it in like a mediation with Mustad, IGFA, and and this gentleman in the same room. And uh, what we were painted as, because like I said, this guy was, you know, was from I think he was a vet, really nice guy. Like you know, yeah. talk with him. He's Super he, just nice wants, he just wants his. And yeah, he was like, and what, what in his, his mind, he caught that fish. Yeah, yeah. what his oh, yeah. lawyers painted yeah. it at was, uh, you know, David versus, Goli- David versus Goliath. You know, like, yeah, yeah. This, you know, this guy, you know, this regular guy caught this exceptional fish. And then, you know, this, this you know, pinky high organization, IGFA, which we're not, uh, you know, is just telling him no, which is complete BS. That's a like fab, you know, that's not how it went down. Yeah. So, anyways, it just kind of opened your eyes to a couple of things. You know, it's like one thing when you sign. So your no record, world record. No world record. Yeah. We didn't know. We said, I agree with that though. No, with those, with those yeah. rigs. I yeah. mean, because you're, cause so you're you not have, you're not doing hook to line. It's gang hooks. You, no. Yeah, you're you're basically got a we don't, rod full of metal between yeah. you and the hook. We don't, and it's yeah. I mean, we don't require. Um, you know, we had a rule that says you know if you're going to use spreader bar arrangements, the the hooked bait or the hook lure has to detach from it, right? Right. And you have to fight the fish without any kind of devices and everything. And listen, this is a, a rule that was interpreted by our board and our committee. But I will note that since then, several other, I think, you know, you know bass masters, you can't use these lures in bass masters in right. these t- tournaments. State records and uh, agencies won't validate it if you catch it on one of these Alabama rigs. So we weren't the only ones. Right. Tournaments prevented them from happening. Uh, or from being used. Nor is it your responsibility that Mustad right. created the contest, and making you somewhat responsible for being the decider <laughs> so in the event. So that was, by, without a doubt, it was a four-year-old ordeal. I learned a lot from it. Uh, but at the end of the day, we sat in a room with a mediator, um, some high-profile lawyer from uh, Mustad, uh, this gentleman, and, uh, you know, it was actually cool. Our, our attorney, our representative party, who did a great job for us, was Mark Sosin's son. Which was kind of cool. So, anyways, that was it, man. I mean, that, uh, we've seen a bunch of weird stuff come in, approve some great records and stuff like that. But if there's one record that sits in my sits in my head as far as one that's the most memorable, it's definitely that one because it yeah. was such a headache. You know? See why? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You so. know, I'm glad you guys stood your ground, though. No. You, know I mean? you know, and Dude, that that true. speaks. To, you could you could have folded. True. Are you kidding me? You know like, what I mean? I know, but you're the IGFA. You're, it, you're the IGFA. So then that speaks sh- that speaks volumes to the organization. It would have shook everything else down from there so, forward. So. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I got a I got a text from Skip Smith, and he says hello to both of you guys. Yeah. So I told him you guys were coming on the show today, but he got his question in a little late. Right. Ah. So you know, and, and obviously we're on question. One uh, A of five. <laughs> no, I'll be quicker. I'm sorry, man. I, I went no, on there. No, that was while. good. That was that, that was. was good. I, I loved hearing that. You that, read that the was... encyclopedia lately? <laughs> 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 this is, this is why we're here, Jack. Yeah. We're here to talk I'll, about I'll all this stuff. Up, like, right? I'll speed it up, man. I'll speed it up. All right. So let's see. Uh, yeah. All right. Anyway, Skip didn't give me much, but he wanted to. He said, "Oh, sorry, I'm late." Blah blah. blah. He wanted to say hi to both of you guys. So anyway, Skip Smith says hello. Hello, Skip. Yeah, hello, Skip. Um, Skippy. So uh, and then for you, um, Rufus asks, "What's the strangest circumstance you've encountered while catching bluefin tuna? Big bluefin tunas?" He says, "Or is that pretty much a straight up, straight up operation for you?" Yeah, pretty much straight up deal. I, you know, probably uh, you know fishing up in Canada and. Uh, Big bunch of bluefins around, and then and then a, uh, you know, the, the net boats come, and you're fishing off the net boats, and it, it, it's I don't know. 
Yeah. Khaki, straightforward fishing. Um, mm-hmm. Straightforward. <laughs> no, no, no maple syrup, no hockey you pucks know, coming no, up well, with, I mean, the, you know, with the big bluefin tuna. Probably catching three in one day at Khaki. That was a big day. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was a real good one. Because you guys are you're, you're sight, sight fishing them, right? Or not sight fishing, yeah. but you see them come up on the sand bank. Yeah. And you have to position the boat yeah, perfectly. They're not right? always in the sand. Oh. You know, they're not always in the sand, but they're in the alley, or they're sometimes they are in the sand. But uh, anyway, you know, I, I remember the day we caught three in one day real well. That was a that was a memorable day because it had been several years of bad fishing, and we got the weather finally. That we, that fishery is totally dependent on weather, mm-hmm. condition, you know, clouds, currents got to be going, water's got to be clean. I mean, there's any number of conditions that have to come together for that fishery to, to be viable weathers being mm. the big one. And, uh, you know, talked to Alan Merritt for a long, long time, many times about how the weather has, the weather patterns were so different now from when they, in the heyday when they were catching fish. But, uh, I did get to see some of that and uh, I was, I'm, I'm always glad that I did. Yeah. Nice. So, you know, uh, John and I are dying. We were supposed to go, uh, bluefin tuna fishing with uh, Andy Moyes up there this Andy's, year. But Andy's. Andy will be here this afternoon for this afternoon session with Tiny Walcott. Awesome. Uh, by the way, but, um, he's going to tell the rep scouting story. Andy's got Andy it. Uh, Andy's yeah. got it dialed in in Canada. I was up there yeah. for uh, five years doing the same thing. Yeah. But again, and, uh, COVID. Yeah. Couldn't yeah. go. So and this year, where's Andy up? Where is he based out of? And Anaganish. Anaganish. Yeah. Yeah. Great fishery, awesome. wonderful fishery, great spot. Um, you know, yeah, it's the fishing is, is uh, like, you know, I grew up listening to the stories of Newfoundland, you know, when my dad fished Newfoundland in 1969. And, you know, looking at those pictures on the wall as a kid every day going downstairs, you know, and you see that picture of the fishing, you kind of, oh, man, I got to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And getting to do it was, was really pretty cool. Yeah. But it's a great fishery, and Andy's Yeah, I'm dying to get notch. there. I've never never been so let us know man i mean you have plenty of connections with andy and everything Mm but the thing that amazes me about the bluefin stuff that you guys did in cat versus in nova scotia i've run up there luckily enough i've been able to go up there and fish that and caught some fish up there some giant fish with adrian actually Mm -hmm. going up there um but you're in 60 feet of water 80 feet of water yeah i mean when you guys get off the bank there in cat like you're way deep yeah Yeah. andy just shows me these videos of him just hand feeding them (laughs) Yeah, just yeah. big Volkswagens, just boom, yeah. boom. I would go up there yeah. and not even fish. The place up there is awesome. Yeah. Good food, no, good people. I was, was going to bring the whole family with me. Yeah, that's yeah, no, yeah. It's worth great. It. Yeah, I was going to bring the wife great and the kids and everything. Beautiful make, area. Make it a vacation. Yeah, beautiful yeah. area. Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. All right, well, thank you very much, uh, Sir Rufus. I like calling him Sir Rufus. <laughs> yep. that's, 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 that's how I consider him. So Absolutely. Rufus, come fish the light tackle open, man. Yeah. Come on. Hey. Yeah. They, you talked you know, about. I'm going to get on him about that. All right, yeah, he, should, he should be fishing that. Yeah, one. Should. yeah, that's definitely true. All right, our next question comes from Sir Adrian Gray, <laughs> right? And the um, man. So these are all for Jack, um, oh, and great. it's kind of a loaded potato here for you. Um, yeah. So let me go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> So I got a sandwich back. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll speed it up, man. I'll be quick. I promise. So Give me a rum or two. I'm gonna, I'm talking. Gonna, I'm gonna ask. Well, two of them are a question, and one is a suggestion. So, um, Adrian asks: Is ask Jack if he believes in Sasquatch, if he's ever <laughs> drank Bailey's from his shoe. Oh yeah. And he says, but whatever you do, do not ask him about global warming. <laughs> so this is all from Adrian Gray. So. Sasquatch. So, Sasquatch. Sasquatch, I wish. Uh, I wish. Um, I Are wish you, a, you I, a Sasquatch guy? Like, like I, I wish believe it in exists. aliens I don't, kind of thing? I don't believe. I mean, listen, I believe there's life. 
outside of uh, our Earth here. I mean, I'm not saying they're green-headed aliens, but I think there's, you know, I think they've already determined that, right? That there's some sort of life like out carbon there. carbon and bacteria. Stuff and like that. that. Maybe yeah. micro, microbial Microbes, stuff. yeah. Whatever, I'm probably using the wrong words. Do you have mold there. in your house? <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in that, uh, but I don't believe in, like, you know, like aliens and stuff. Sasquatch? Nah, I wish, man. I think we would have found him by now. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. With all these people out there looking for him, Keep makes napping. me feel makes me feel better when I'm going hunting in the mornings. You know, yeah. a few times I do, knowing that there's not a Sasquatch out yeah. there. Um, what was the other one? Bailey's from a shoe. No, that's an old Greg reference. And global warming is just a that that was a reference from a. Uh, I was told not that a Papa's that, a Papa's Polar f- uh, fueled uh, all right. conversation that Adrian, Jason, and someone else had a rant, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but right. yeah, global warming, serious thing. That's what I say. Serious thing? It's it, it's a thing, you know. It's a thing? <laughs> it's a thing for another podcast. Okay. All right. Got, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Uh, uh, thank you very much, uh, Sir Adrian. Yeah. Thank you, so, Adrian. Um, our next uh, question comes from um, a fellow writer and, um, you know, brown trout aficionado. Right. We call this guy, brown right? Trout. Just like I got to tell you about that one. So... This guy, this next question comes from a guy who uh, once had a job at Crested Butte, Colorado, like as a janitor working at a ski lift, right? And then the, they had microphones, and sometimes, like, the manager of the place would say, we got a brown trout in the uh, in the bathroom, which is <laughs> the, the one that didn't flush. What we call a blind mullet in so yeah. There you go. So, gotcha. so, um, so every now and then, every time someone says dr- brown trout, we had to make a sound on the board that the brown trout, when you hit it, and brown trout, yeah, something yeah, of, yeah, of yeah. Charlie Levine saying, this is Charlie Levine saying this. So basically, he asks both of you, would you rather sail around the world or drive the fastest boat to Cuba? Oh, that's an easy Whatever question. Go around the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Easy question. Yeah, Because yeah. uh, Cuba's part of that. Yeah. Yeah. So right, yeah, you can make Cuba so part of you can, that portfolio. You can, do, you can do all that in, uh, in, that, in that deal. And, yeah, but... Travel is uh, travel is probably the most enlightening thing anyone can do. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you're exposed to culture, you're exposed yeah. to different foods, you're exposed to different ways of life, and uh, it, it probably puts your life in a better perspective. Yeah, it's the biggest yeah. cure for racism, too. I think. No question. Traveling. One hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent agree with with uh, yep. sailing around the world. I don't like yeah. to go fast. You know. <laughs> well, ten knots isn't all bad. Chugging around. You know? <laughs> two two bent butts out at all times. You know. That's it. All right. That's good. Good, thanks, Charlie. Um, all right, I will call you Sir Charlie because I know if I don't Sir now Charlie. at this point, he's going to give me <laughs> and, crap about and it. And rightfully so, Sir right. Charlie. And um, this is uh, this next person that asks a question. We're beyond the Sir now, and we're going mm. to move into the King realm. Oh, okay. And you, you probably will agree with me. You might laugh and agree at the same time, but Dave Boltis. Asks a question. My my your brother. My big tuna brother. Right. And yeah. he he wants to also say. By the way, I am the older twin. He, he is. The, <laughs> he's the older <laughs> twin. That's what he says. He is. He came out first. Yeah. <laughs> so he says, ask him about the world famous tuna twins, and uh, fishing in Cat K with the scientist from the large pelagic research team on board. Yep. Michelle was uh, was the scientist. Uh, Molly Litkavage came down. Uh, large pelagic research institute came down for our IGFA uh, khaki tournament that Costa put on. You know, Costa did the Costa did the tournament, but we did the kind of the IGFA team. Mm. And uh, I I took a forty six merit over and uh, had Dave Boltice and Carl Lederman and uh, uh, let's see who else I had. 
Brian Fengler from here is a mate, a mm-hmm. uh, local kid, Brian, a uh, great fisherman. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had, uh, I was thinking who else? Court was with us, Court mm-hmm. Vernon. And uh, anyway, so Dave and I are, you know, we're, we're kind of goofing around and <laughs> we're on the edge and we're looking for fish. Anyway, this girl, Michelle, was, was, uh, she was very intrigued and she was along with us to tag a fish if we caught one. So throughout the course of a couple of days, you know, we absolutely have her convinced that we are twins <laughs> and she's <laughs> totally buying it and everything. And, and I mean, no doubt, you know, so, you know, I think at one point Dave's in the tower, I'm in the tower. There's not a whole lot of room left. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, she's up there with us and we're talking about all this stuff. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, as young kids, what our mom and dad were like and all this stuff. And, gonna, and she's just like, wow, wow, this is so great. You know? And she left. She's she really really truly believed that we were we were brothers, and I think she still does because I yeah. never told her. <laughs> I never said a word. I never I never straightened her out, and uh, I still contact her. She's a great gal, but uh, you know we we uh, we had a lot of fun with that. And we had a yeah. lot of fun that week in in uh, Cat Key. It was a great event, and uh, you know we had a bunch of boats there that kind of like the return to Cat Key deal, you know. Right. And uh, you know, Roy came over and brought the little forty two, and I had the forty six there, and I don't know we had. We had it. We put in together a nice little fleet to go over. Mm-hmm. Ray Ray came over. He was on a boat, and uh, Ray Rocher, and um, you know, we had a couple times. I I think Billy Harrison came over. I don't know. We had we had a, a host of. You've just people. fished with all the great ones, haven't you? It's been been pretty lucky. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. You know what I think of? Yeah. I don't know if it, about you guys. If you guys like uh, if you like country music, there's a song mm-hmm. by older country music. Which I do. Uh, I do too. By Georgia Jones. By it's called "Who's Gonna Fill Their Shoes." Yeah. You know that song? Right. Yeah. And I feel like that's a point. I, I think about this quite a bit. You know, like when you talk with you guys and Skip and everything like that. I mean, you guys are still doing it, right? But I mean, you know, I feel like it's cool to think about who's who's the next generation of people that's going to come up. And you guys have helped foster a lot of that stuff. And I think, like you said, like the Skips, Skip Dana's and right. the Art Saps yep. and the, you know those guys and the R.J. Boyles, the guys in that that next mm-hmm. level kind of coming up. Um, even, you know, that's just here locally, right? Yeah. But, I mean, there's there's guys around the world that I think that guys like Skip and Carl and, 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 and many others in the legendary captains have probably mentored and have probably worked with over the years that are – Yeah, no doubt. You know, that – you know, but it's not there yet, you know? Like, uh, it, these guys are – you know, like, you're still running boats. Skip's still running boats. I mean, you guys are still fishing. And – but, you know, I, I I like that song. I hear that song. I think, about, mm-hmm. you know, who's, who's going to st- – there's big shoes to fill. You know, you know that's, big that's shoes to fill. One, I mean, I'm going to go back again to that sword that was caught the other day by Little Timmy. And little I mean, Timmy. that, that, I mean, that's what we just yeah. call him Little I mean, Timmy, you yeah. know, or, or Goose. You know, a lot of kids, people call him Goose or whatever like that. I always just call him Little Timmy. Anyone knows his dad sometimes will call him that, you know. And that was just so flipping inspiring to me. No question. Because I'm like, here it is, all these big heavy hitters dropping for daytime swords all the time, right out of here, right out of Port Everglades. They're all running out to the canyons. And, like, those three kids, you know, four kids come back with that fish. And I was like, man, you just instantly put a stamp on yourself. Mm -hmm. They are are great kids, too. Yeah, they are. Um, They are. I mean, Timmy's been on the show before. We brought the team, the Plagic. Florida man team on mm. on the show once and he's right. been on you know it was nice having him in yep and uh, you know we're, Timmy he said he wants to come in to those kids to come onto the show to talk about okay, cool. that'd be cool that'd that, be a that good catch one. you know what I mean so oh, yeah be a good one um like you say that's the but but I look at that and you talk about who's gonna shoot right there yeah tells you that's you know true what I mean? well. like they're I mean 
What about that fish tell, tells you that they're not ready? Well, now they got to. Now they got. How the hell they even get that in the boat? Now they got a gold break, right? So they set the they set the bar. Right. So now we got to now they're in their minds are like we got to go beat the bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's going to drive them to do more. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's part of what is inside all of us. If you or have any competitive nature whatsoever, it's you know, okay, how am I going to do better at this, and how, what, what's what's my next? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you're only as good as your last day driving the boat. That's I mean, you, you know, right. You can't. You can't stack up good days and, and hold them in. Uh, it's not like a battery. It doesn't save. You're only as good as the last day you fished. That's, and and you know. this is another reason why I continuously compare fishing to art. Mm. Because being being what I do, yes, I paint fish for a living. But I always look at the sport of fishing or just the life of fishing as an art in itself. Because as an artist, I see so many parallels. Right. For sure. the same thing about completing your last painting. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's like, okay, cool, awesome, you did a great job, you got a lot of likes, you sold it for a lot of money, everyone's, oh, okay, good artist, even, like, you look at the bridge. I can't rest my laurels in that. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, that's awesome, it's a nice feather in my cap, but what's next? What's next? That's all people really care about. It's like a musician, same thing, you're only as good as your last album. Amen. Yeah. That's it. Amen. No, yeah, no. You I hear you. You were in the music industry, right? I did, I was in the music industry for 17 years. What did you do, exactly? So, I was a creative director, um for a company called Alliance Entertainment. And we were the glue that kept the industry together. Mm. Um, so we were responsible for getting, this is when music was a product and not a streamed digital thing, mm. right? So we were the world's largest distributor of CDs, DVDs, and Blu-ray. We had direct relationships with all the major record labels and movie studios, Universal, War- Warner Brothers, Sony, and we were responsible for getting it out to mass media. So we would fill all the mom and pop record stores all over the world. Mm. And we were responsible for stocking Target, Best Buy, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, you name it. Like we put all the product in the store. So we would direct market, we would direct advertise, and that's what that's what I was responsible for doing. So oh, okay. basically, doing all. I mean, you name something that we've designed. I mean, I've designed for it. Wow. You know, like no matter trade show displays. I mean, apparel. I mean, we had, we had a weekly month, weekly magazine, monthly music magazine. We, I've done it all. I had a, t- a team of twenty designers underneath me to help help out doing it. Wow! So that that's the industry that I you know I all the free concerts you could stand. We went to every show. So we Did had ever- people coming to our our place and do performances. All it was a cool cool yeah. world to live in. But my passion was here. You know, my passion was in fish. I mean, like we discussed yeah. on Fly's podcast the other day, I'm 17 years old. I'm at the IGFA banquet down mm-hmm. over the breakers selling paintings to Tread Barda. Yeah. You know, when awesome. I was a little kid. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's where I belong. You know right. what I mean? The industry, the music industry thing was cool. Yeah. It was fun. And I did it for 17 years because I couldn't leave it because it was so cool. Right. But eventually I had to, water finds its level. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, I, sure. I had to be where I belonged. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was it. And here we are. Water now finds we're opening our store. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so it's exciting. So, yeah. Cool. Good. But, um, yeah, the music industry was great, you know. And I could tell you one thing, too. Like, a lot of people from the old job, they really support what we're doing here. Like, they're, like, our best customers. Every time I come out with a new product or a new sale, like, 20 people from Alliance Entertainment are lining up buying it. That's cool. cool. Yeah, it's a great relationship. A great it's a family thing. there. That's, yeah, that's for really sure. Cool. Yeah. Where was that based out of Miami? No, we were, uh, well, I started in Miami as Baston Distributors, and it became Alliance because they merged with, like, three other companies right. that did the same thing as what made them the world's largest. Right, right. We were based out of Coral Springs for years, and then they moved out to Sawgrass. And then once they moved out to Sawgrass, was kind of like the decline yeah, of right. you know, you know, digital streaming started. came yeah, in and really killed the industry. Yeah. So they had a, it, you know, they weathered the storm through different distribution methods, and they had that distribution arm. You know what I mean? That really helped them get through it. But so my music story, 
Yeah, yeah. So let me have it. I was uh, you asked me, so my degrees in telecommunications. I was doing sound work all over the place, and um, I had in, in my uh, wild and untamed youth had uh, met some some really nice folks and that played some music. Friends of mine from California. And you play anyway, too? No, I don't. Not at all. Uh, but uh, anyway, met Toby Scott, who's Bruce Springsteen's engineer, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, got to hang out with Toby. He's became a good buddy, and I was in Kutztown, and I would go into New York and into the Hit Factory studio, and and he'd be recording stuff and everything. Yep. And uh, anyway, after I graduated, one of my first jobs, Toby hired me to be the sound man for the video, ta- uh, uh, Brilliant Disguise, for mm-hmm. for Bruce's video, and uh, we shot it out at the Sandy Hook uh, Coast Guard station. And I was the boom guy. So there was the cameraman, and the, the director was Mira Davis, who had done uh, U2's, you know, The Streets Have No Name, and all mm-hmm. the other on the rooftop What in a LA great video that you know? was. And, uh, you know, he, he was he was a really cool guy. But but Toby uh, got me got me that gig, and, and uh, we're still buddies. He, he's out in Whitefish, Montana now. I talked to him. and uh, But anyway, that was that's my music story. I was the boom man for, for the... I like it. Which came out on Tunnel of Love, but the song was a brilliant disguise. Yeah. We used to have a bunch of people come to our facility at Coral Springs to do performances. And they would come just before they were famous. So when they would come perform, you didn't know whether or not yeah. this was someone you wanted to hang your hat on. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, and when I'm talking like Britney Spears came when she was 15. Did a performance wow. for us. Nobody knew who she was. And two weeks later, that video, that famous video of her and the Catholic schoolgirl outfit yeah. comes out on MTV and I'm like wait a minute that's a girl that just <laughs> played wow. right that's crazy yeah and then Pink came did a performance you know what I mean Philly Ben Chick. Harper yeah yeah so I mean like like a lot of like famous people came wow. to do these performances but for every Ben Harper for every Pink for every Britney Spears there's a joy drop that you'll never hear from again yeah. you know, or or you know some sure. other band that you know, sure. you know when Alan Thicke's kid, when Robin Thicke came mm. to the performance, and I think you're thinking, oh, this is Alan Thicke's kid, and everyone knew it going into the show. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, well, his dad just got him through this. You know what I mean? And you didn't realize he was going to end up being famous and, like, right. the whole thing. So, this is, yeah, it's cool. That is cool. Last question for our Strange Questions comes from another fellow writer, Sam White. Mm. For Carl, what is the scariest time that you've ever had in the water I know you've been through some boat fires and stuff, pretty gnarly, but good lessons to learn. Yeah. I don't know what he's talking about, but that's what he asked. Uh, yep, had a fire. Uh, I spent three years uh, going back and forth to New Zealand building a 90-foot by 26-foot wide catamaran uh, sport fishing boat. Three years going back and forth to New Zealand? That alone's a great story. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, that was, it was, a, it was a great time. Like the um, Lord of the Rings land. It right? was yeah, it was it was neat. I mean, got to trout fish, got to do all kinds yeah. of stuff. Went up to the Bay of Islands, fell in love with the place. At, at any rate, we uh, go through this build, and and uh, the boat's kind of you know, it's it's a really neat boat. It runs real good, and uh, the hope was that we would really use it hard here. Anyway, we get the thing, and it comes into it's going to come into Jacksonville, on the ship. So I get Gary Stuve, one of our legendary captain crew guys, a good old friend of mine, a great guy who's probably got more experience with anything than you know as far as boat stuff goes i mean he's just you want to you're going to go to sea with somebody you want a guy like gary with you mm-hmm. you know what i mean i mean you got bailing tape and duct wire you're getting home you know <laughs> i mean a coat hanger whatever i mean gary will figure it out you know i mean gary fished the damn buccaneer tournament one year by fixing his steering on the on the 
the boat that I just rebuilt, the 1965, it was called CMC at that time, but now it's called Pico Floor. He uh, fished the last day of the Buccaneer with a coat hanger for his, to hold the steering together. <laughs> and fished all day. Really? Yeah, yeah. Gary's engine, he's unbelievable, right? Very, very crafty. And uh, anyway, so I'm, I'm like, Gary, man, we got to go get this 90-footer off the ship. Now, he had just built Greg Norman's 87-foot Ocean Fast in Australia during the same time. We were both doing these projects. And uh, so anyway, the boat's coming in. Gary and I, you know, we drive up to Jacksonville, and we get there, and of course, unload the boat, get it off the ship, and uh, I have the guy who was managing the company, a guy named Mel Jones, and uh, a friend of his, John Bogarney, and anyway, we're, we get the thing unloaded off the ship, and uh, as you can imagine, you know, things go not as well as you'd want, and, you know, we had some fuel issues, and we're pulling away from the ship and going out into the, into the channel, and, and uh, boat stalls. And uh, figured, okay, you know, the fuel filters, are, you know, there's air pockets, whatever. And we had run the boat a ton in New Zealand. The boat ran great. It was, you know, it was a really neat boat. But anyway, Gary hits the hits the buttons and the starter sticks. And uh, so now we've got a starter just jammed on mm. crank. Now it's catamaran. Mm-hmm. So these are 2471 engines, 24 cylinders. These things are longer than a school bus. And uh, so, um, you know, and the hatch to get in is on this upper level. Kind How of big deal. is this catamaran? 90 feet by 26 feet wide. Damn. So, uh, you know, starter stuck, shit's hitting the fan. And, uh, you know, there's some smoke coming out. So I lift open the hatch. Of course, Gary, you know, Gary's driving, and I'm, you know, Big mistake. The battery switches were put at the front end of the engine room instead of at the back. So now I got to go down there and shut the power off to kill the starter. So I've got to go in the hole and go forward 24 cylinders plus, probably about, you know, I don't know, 12 feet. And it's just pouring smoke. Now the starter's right here on this inboard side of the motor. And, you know, there's oil lines and stuff over top of it. And uh, I, you know, grab a breath. I get halfway and I'm like, fuck, I can't. Mm. Not going to make it. You go back up, regroup, and now the smoke's really coming. And uh, to the point where, you know, the guys, they're grabbing their bags and putting them on the gunnel in the, in the cockpit. ready to go. Right? Mm. So I, you know, gather one last, you know, hurrah, go down, haul ass, get past all the, the stuff, you know, singe my Anyway, turn the battery off, haul ass out, barely, you know, barely got out. I mean, I was just like, you know, ooh. I had no air left at all because I was jacked up. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'm trying to think, okay, diving. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. You know, relax. Get away. Well, you can't relax, man. You're just so, so. Yeah, the adrenaline's cramped. there. Ain't going and, away. Uh, anyway, so, I, you know, we had things still smoking like crazy. Now I get fire extinguishers and I'm going in there trying to get fire out. Now I've just put acid all over this brand spanking new engine room. <laughs> right. And I'm like, you know, just the, everything. So we limp our way to this. Marina right by the cut and, uh, you know, get in there, start evaluating. I'm like, boy, this is not good. You know, so now I got to get in there. We, you know, Gary was, you know, I'll never forget Gary's, you know, we're, we're putting around. I go up there and I'm like, holy smokes, man, that was not good, you know. And uh, he's like, yeah, because I knew it was really bad when they started putting their bags on the covering board. <laughs> yeah. he's, like, yeah. he's like, I couldn't see what was going on. Anyway, uh, you know, the current's running and the wind's blowing and pushing us all over. He's got one motor on a catamaran and we're like, Doing circles, you know. Like, anyway, we fought, we limp our way to this deal. We tie up, and uh, spent three days, you know, trying to clean the engine room because the acid's just eating everything. And uh, anyway, that was that was spooky. So three years to build that boat. 
And that was day one? That was day one. <sighs> got it to Stuart. And, and, uh, and realized it really wasn't going to do anything and, and yeah. made a move, got off the boat, and uh, started on on uh, the little 37 Briar Patch and, uh, with Mark O'Brien. And that that uh, been with Mark O'Brien for 30 years. That's wow. been a hell of a run. Wow. Yeah, it's great. Wow. But the, the other scary one was the sinking, you know, trying to, you know, saving, saving a boat from sinking. So the second Briar Patch was a 45-foot Rybovich. And uh, first trip, uh, you know, we surveyed, did all that stuff. So first trip is go to San Salvador. So we go down to San Salvador. And uh, actually, the same same trip, we had the Briar Patch there, and the sea lion came. And I ended up, I did a show with Flip Pallet that, during mm -hmm. that time we were there. Anyway, on the way home, you know, they all fly out of San Salvador, and, and I bringing the boat home and uh i get you know like five miles out of hybrid key and the high water alarms are going off and i, I kind of started to feel it i was you know kind of sloshy and all and a little different when the higher water alarm went off i went oh fuck you know here we go mm -hmm. again and uh so i've run down you know first place she looks lazarette you know dry as a bone okay go in open up the engine room hatch dry no problem Go down below, and it's kind of like, you know, you don't have lights on or anything. It's the end of the day and everything. And I walk down, and I'm, oh, uh oh, water. And I look down, you know, I'm like, oh, shit. And, uh, you know, there's water coming up in the port stateroom. There's a hatch, and it's like kind of doing this, floating, and there's water pouring out. And I'm like, okay, here we go. In the stateroom? Yeah. So we, uh, you know, pull her back. I had already pulled her back, but anyway, chugging along. And, uh, I start peeling everything out of there and start looking. I see where the water's coming from, and there's a intermediate stringer between the main stringer and the chine. There was an intermediate stringer, and it was like two by two. And it was just like a stiffener that they had put in. This was the first cold-molded boat that Rybovich had made. And uh, it was the, it was 45-foot. It, it was built as the Frisky Lady for Jack Willits, who was an mm -hmm. IGFA uh, trustee for years. Anyway, uh, it over the years, it had been, uh, you know, Couple guys have been on there running hard. I mean, Ben DeGudis was the captain on it. He was just as gentle as could be with it. But there were some other guys maybe ran a little harder. Anyway, it had popped that deal that this this stiffener up and pulled bolts through it. And somebody had repaired it and tried to put a bigger bolt in with a washer. Anyway, it pulled through. So there's this hole like this, and it's just well. Good news is you know when I was going slow, it wasn't that bad. But now I got to get the water out. So I. Looking at the things, and I'm, I'm pulling stuff apart and the head and everything, and I'm looking at the bilge pumps, and I'm going, what the hell's going on here? And I never caught it during the survey. The surveyor never caught it. But we got a 1,500-gallon-per-hour bilge pump being pumped into a sump box for the shower that only had a, an 800 or, you know, 1,000. So I'm like, I'm doubling the volume of water going into this box, <laughs> and the box is like, <laughs> oh, my God. Water's pouring out. I'm not getting rid of the water. I'm not shedding the so water. So it's not even a breach. Oh, it was a breach. I had no water coming in from the bottom, but I can't get rid of the water. You're pumping it right back in. You know, right. it's like, you know, right. I'm, only, I'm, oh, I'm only using yeah, yeah, 800 right, yeah, to yeah, take yeah, a thousand, right? Yeah. So now I'm like, all right, you know, so I'm, now I get, you know, I get the wash down hose and, you know, start re rigging everything to be able to pump. You know, I got a hose running out the boat, pumping Ugh. overboard. And uh, I and I know I'm in deep, deep water and I'm going, man, I just got to get to the bank. Right. You know, I just got to get to the bank, man. So anyway, I nurse through we get rid of it and, I, and it's dark now and i find my way into hybrid key you know there's, there's coral heads everywhere all kinds of things. anyway we get into there and i'm like son of a gun man this isn't good you know so i i'm like i gotta look at so i jump overboard i got a flashlight and i'm looking and i'm like man there's just this little crack in this in this little hole you know but it's enough and uh so i 
you know, call the boss, and I'm like, got some good news, I got some bad news. <laughs> bad news is, you know, I got a hole in the boat, and then we're, you know, taking on water. Good news is we haven't sunk yet. And, uh, <laughs> Not yet. You know, and I'm like, so, like, I'm laying there, and I'm thinking, man, I'm like, you know, right, so this, I, I'm thinking, I got to put something on the bottom, so, of course, there's all kinds of solutions. You know, the one guy brings me over stuff, you you break it, and you make a tootsie, tootsie roll, two pieces of epoxy, and you break it, and, you know, I'm thinking, all right, I'll jam that under. Well, I go under, and, you know, I start doing it. It just disintegrates, man. <laughs> you know? I'm like, that's not going to work. You know? So I come back up, and then there's this guy. He's like, I know. I know what I'll do. it. he said, I got this stuff that, you know, sets up. You can make a temporary cast. And he goes, you know, if you cut a piece, maybe put it on you know, it'll hold it. I'm like, hey, I'll try it. <laughs> so I go under and get that, you know, and I, go, and I put it like up there. Like a plaster of like, Paris. Kind of <laughs> 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 you know, I'm like, okay, well, that's not going to work. And uh, so anyway, I'm like, all right, you know, just – you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sort this out. So uh, I took a piece of plastic and, you know, put it up against there. And it actually, there was enough to let water in. It was like creating a suction. Yeah. So all night I lay there on the floor and I, I lay there with my hand in the bilge. You know, I've, I've now have reconnoitered a bunch of pumps to, you know, I know I can get water out. But I later I thought, well, if the water comes up high and hits my hand, I'll wake up. And, uh, you know, on a, anyway, it didn't happen. So the next morning I get a tank and I jump overboard and uh, look at everything in daylight, and I'm like, all right, it's you know, it's not that bad, and uh, you know, I, I'll probably be all right if I don't run. That so, must have been a long night. So it was long <laughs> night. So anyway, I give the tank back to that guy. So that day we went across to, and I I called you know the owner, I called Mark O'Brien that morning. I said, all right, look, here's my plan. I'm gonna leave and just chug to Nassau. I'll get to Nassau, I'll haul out, fix the bottom, and get myself home. So and I said that look, the worst thing that can happen is. You know, we'll go down, we'll be in, you know, 12 feet of water, I'll be in the tower drinking a beer, just come find me, <laughs> you know, trying to make light of it, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking, you know. Anyway, we get to <laughs> Nassau, and uh, sure enough, get to Nassau, and it's a Bahamian holiday oh. the next day. So when I, so I go see the guy about, you know, hauling the boat out, and he's like, oh, I, got, I can't haul that boat out. I go, why? And he goes, well, because I'll crush the spray rails, and I'm like, buddy. That's the last of my worries. I'll right. just the spray rails. <laughs> right. I just need you to lift up. I don't care about the spray rails. I'll get, you know, I'll deal with this. So, no, no can't do it, can't do it. And I'm like, man, you son of a gun, you. So <laughs> I go down to the Marine store knowing that I've got like an hour to get all my stuff because the next day it's closed. So I go in there. I buy uh, two-inch stainless steel nails, and uh, I got a bunch of epoxy kits, uh, all, all kinds of different epoxies, right? And I got 5,200. <laughs> I had a piece of plywood on the deck with a freezer on it because we take freezer with bait and everything. And I'm like, I'll cut that plywood, put that up there, nail it in, put, you know, 5,200, and I'll epoxy it to it, and, you know, I'll get home. So they say I get the tank, I do all this stuff, and I cut the board and, you know, getting everything ready. And, you know, we put 5,200 seam around it, and I got epoxy in there, and I, and I go underwater, and I try to get it under the boat, and I'm like, <laughs> I can't get the plywood under the boat. Anyway, I finally oh, get no. the plywood under there and I get it in place and I got it. And I'm like, you know, and imagine underwater. Right? You know? yeah. So I got, you know, I got this mallet in my weight belt, you know, this, ha- this hammer. I take the hammer and I, you know, like, and I try to nail and I'm like, and I'm like, and you got nothing. And I'm like, you ever tried to nail underwater with no, a hammer? No. No, you can't get shit. It's like in a dream oh, trying to punch. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, right. And I'm, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, nothing. 
So I go get this guy. This guy, I go out and I'm like, you know, I'm standing there in all my gear, and this guy's on the dock. I'm like, hey, you got a mallet on your on your thing? So he's like, yeah, I got a two pound mallet. I'm like, give me it, man. I said, I yeah. Got you know, now I got a crowd watching me. You know, it's just like a circus going on. You know, so I get I get the mallet. I go under there and I'm like, whack, boom, and I'm like, yes, okay. So now you got to remember, it's fiberglass and it's you know, it's triple plank mahogany and everything. But I got this patch on there that's like this wide, this long. Get the thing on there. I, make, I put nails this far apart all the way around. I'm like, man, you know, if I run, you know, the water's going to come in and it's going to peel the plywood off and all this stuff. So I put on, I put nails like, I mean, I'm, it, it's like, <laughs> I use the whole bag. Anyway. Can't you know, tie a knot, tie a lot, right? Exactly, man. I'm like, you know what, man, the more the matter. So anyway, I take the, you know, I get this epoxy stuff and I feather the edge, the leading edge, because, man, I don't want that water getting in there and everything. I'm like, all right, you know. So uh, I keep going down later, and I get it all done, and later I do a test dive. I'm not getting any water inside the boat, but I go under and look at it, and I'm like, man, I'm good. You know, like, we're, we're okay. So I call Mark. I'm like, look, I'm leaving tomorrow. Go to Bimini. I'm, I'll go slow and everything, because the worst part is when I get in deep water and I get the tongue of the ocean. But then again, I'm going to be on the flats after that, so mm-hmm. I'll be cool. So I just got that first part of the morning. I'm going to be, a little, you know, in the deep water. I'm, you know, anyway, we, we get going, and I'm going real easy. And I get up to like 10 knots and, you know, I'm going to check it. And then I push her up and get like 12 knots. And I'm like, man, it's don't know I'm good. You know, so I just stick in there around 12, 13 knots. And anyway, I get up on the bank and I'm like, well, no water yet. You know, so I push her up a little more. I'm now making 15. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> 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 you know, no water. I'm like, oh, this is great, man. Anyway, I pull into Bimini and I'd already talked to Roy and told Roy, I said, look, I'm going to be coming in. You know, I probably need to haul me out like when I, when I get there. Now, right. it's, you know, this is like Friday. So Friday night, I pull into Bimini. Alan Merritt's there, and uh, he's on his boat, and he comes over, and he sits on the pile, and he's like, so, uh, got any water? <laughs> you know, you know, story. I'm like, no, I'm good, I'm good, you know, I'm, I'm all right, I'm going to get up early and, you know, go to the yard, and he's like, all right, well, come on over and, you know, have a have a drink and some dinner. So I go over to the Caliban with Alan, mm-hmm. you know, we have lobster and snapper, and, you know, a bunch of rum and everything else. You're so doing I, a 180 from where you were. Yeah, man, I'm like, you know, <laughs> you know, like, I'm close to home, baby. You know, yeah. I got Big Al blessing me. I'm cool. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we, I get up early in the morning and we leave. We, you know, pull right into Merritt's and Roy's, I call him. And he, he's sitting there on the on the travel lift waiting for me. We pull it out, pull the boat up. Mark O'Brien comes over from Tampa. The owner picks me up and checks it out. He's like, man, you know, good job. You got the boat home, blah, blah, blah. Drives me up to Stewart, drops me off. He goes home. I got Sunday, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, God damn. <laughs> I've gone wild, thank God. Anyway, I go in Monday morning. It's le- I'm a little late. I get there at like 9 o'clock. And uh, Vic Albertson, who's a longtime uh, carpenter at Merritt's, you know, really talented guy. And, and uh, anyway, he's been assigned to get the patch off. And, uh, you know, anyway, I, I pull in. and Good luck. I pull in, and, I, and I'm looking, and he's just standing there looking at me. And Vic has a very, you know, imposing look. He's, you know, kind of rough and ready. And anyway, he looks at me, and, and he's like, what in the hell, different language, did you do? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, what did you use to put the patch on? And I'm like, well, you know, a little 5200, a whole lot of epoxy, and a bunch of nails. He's like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. He's like, I can't get it off. <laughs> Couldn't get the patch like, off. Yeah, well, I needed to go home. And I'm like, so. I'm like, you know, hey, I got home, and, you know, if you can't get it off, well, leave it on there. I don't give a shit. Anyway. Sounds like you say, did a great job. You could have probably say, gone 25 knots. Yeah, you know, could have run the whole way. Anyway, we get the patch off. We redo it. We take the whole boat apart inside. 
new stringers, new everything, pulled the motors out, rebuilt the motors and everything, redid a whole number on the boat, and then put it all back together. And she was like 21, 22 knots. And uh, after we redid all that bottom work, we had the engines done. And uh, when we brought her back out, she was 30 knots and, wow. and a ripper. And, uh, you know, boat held 1,000 gallons of fuel. Great boat. It's in Puerto Rico, still fishing to this day, as a matter of fact. Is the patch still on it? <laughs> no, no, they took the patch off. They took the patch off. But the inside patches that we did her on, we glassed it and did all kinds of stuff. We really stiffened her up, made her. You know, it was a hell of a boat. But anyway, that that would probably be the oh other one. Oh my god, one. that's yeah. a, that's a great, well, little things I think like you that. Answered teach Sam's you a lot. question, right? Yeah. And, and then you gotta, Have you, you read my encyclopedia? <laughs> you got a fellow encyclopedia were you, reader there. Were you solo on the boat? No, no, no. I had, had a, I, yeah, I had somebody with I had Barry Robinson with me. Yeah, gotcha. another experienced captain. His father was a local guy here, just out of Hillsborough. <laughs> That's nuts, man. Barry, Barry was with me. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And um, you know, if the question from Sam for you, um, it, we, I think we kind of already glossed over. He asked also, what's the most off the hall, off the wall request um, that you've had come through the IGFA? So I think we kind of went at that at length earlier. So um, that's it for our strange questions. All right. So you, was, you guys, you guys, I think easy. that was the most thorough analysis of these strange <laughs> questions segment that we've ever had, and I'm proud of it. That's yeah. good. So, yeah, that, that, that's awesome. So we have to pick a, a winner of the best question, um, So and we will send them a Connected by Water podcast T-shirt um, so, you know, we can, we can do that for anyone on the list and they can all get a t-shirt really, but because you know, they're all great guys. <laughs> they're all but, great questions. So who, who, who had the great question or, or should we say who had the best answer? Right? I mean, Carl's, Carl's, uh, sinking story. I mean, hush. Right. Can't compare with that, man. That's it. All right. So I would so, say Sam gets so one. Sam, Sam, Sam gets a t-shirt. Sam White, you win a t-shirt. Sam wins the shirt. Yep. Right. So he's, I'm sure he's. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> going like that right now. So awesome. That was really cool. You're the, you're the man for bringing him in, dude. Being on a sinking boat is no fun. No. He, he he's like yeah. So we'd playing this this podcast right, and then you know we had to postpone it, and then uh, we did a podcast right after with Fly or whatever like that. But originally, like hey, he's like I want to bring Carl. Home. You're damn right, bring him in. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is great. You uh, know what I mean? So for sure. Pleasure to be here. Believe yeah, me. no. Really I mean, Jack, you, you can stay in the car. Just bring Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. No, 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 no. Then no, we no. wouldn't have found out about well, Carl's hammer rig. Yeah, Carl's been, Carl's been huge, man, over the past couple of years and everything, even before you know, I started working at IGFA. And uh, just with getting this tournament off and mm-hmm. everything like that, him, Skip, you know, just hitting these guys up and getting some some insight forward because this, mm-hmm. you know, this was IGFA's relaunch back in the tournament right uh you know field last year when we did this light tackle open now we had the permit tournament uh and then we got the swordfish tournament in southern california mm-hmm. next year and yep. uh, or this year in november so i mean it's it's clicking along we got our trustee in italy massimo who wants to uh do a a bluefin tournament over in the med oh really uh, in 2022 so yeah, and the swordfish tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to go to that. It, it's some cool stuff, you know. It's yeah, some cool yeah. stuff. And by Carl's, Carl's been very helpful with getting us back into that. And so, so you you've been doing a lot of work with the IGFA like oh, yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, and that's awesome that you still do and, and yeah. kind of keep. And I th- really think that speaks to the whole kind of connected by water theory. Um, not to, not to try to bring our brand back into oh, the fold, but sure. but this is just our philosophy of it all. It's just building that life around. You know those relationships and yep. you know, and kind of you know forming that. You know we talked about it earlier. Like wow, we're all able to like make a living at at our passion. And it's, mm-hmm. it's so rewarding. It really is. But I think the most important part of it is is 
you know, not ever forgetting right. the path that you walked and the people that you met along the way and then c- continue with those relationships. You brought up earlier, you know, getting those opportunities and using those opportunities and, you know, taking it yep. one step at a time. You know what I mean? And, and I think that really just speaks volumes um, when a guy like you mm-hmm. sticks with an organization like this over time. And that's, that's basically strength right there. That when you, uh, if you remember back right right down the road here, IGFA's headquarters was on Atlantic. And, uh, I tell yeah. my wife that yeah. all the time. That that little I still building, know the building, yeah. yeah, that little building. When I was a little kid, I yeah. this is how I got involved with the IGFA. I was 17 years old in high school. I like I had a little like sailfish painting, right? I look back at it and it's horrible, right? <laughs> right? But I met Jim Brown. I don't know if you remember Jim Brown. Remember Jim Brown? I met Jim Brown, and then he introduced me to Mike Leach. And then they're just kind of like, oh, like rubbing the top of my head. And they're like, hey, let's let him in the auction. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And then yeah. I was in the Wildfish Collection reading Mary Alice from the, yep. the Wildfish Collection. Yep. They let me hang to work and everything. So I'm being so hung up to next to Don Ray's and like John Carroll Doyle's and all this. Exactly. And, and all that stuff. And every time I pass that building, I see what the IGFA, IGFA is today. On the, on but And it's just, just to have that perspective of knowing that that little right. building is where it all started. It's just yep. It always warms my heart every time I pass that building. I think of that when I uh, when I you know go. I think about going in and meeting E.K. Harry and mm-hmm. uh, and the first time and meeting him and and uh, walking through the kind of the library and I was with Peter Wright and uh, and um, uh, I'll, I'll never forget that afternoon. You know, we went in there for a quick visit and I think we were there for four hours. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it was just like, wow, this is Mr. Harry. You know, and I mean, yeah. obviously, I knew the whole history of everything and everything. I was a member, you know. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't have that connection, and then when you go into there and then you do that and then to see what it went through and, and I worked, I was working for Johnny Morris when this building was built and, uh, you know, it was we would go in there and check it out as it was being done and uh, knew all the players of course you know uh, Mr. Tyson Don Tyson and Mike Levitt you know mm-hmm. one of the one of the greatest light tackle anglers ever, mm-hmm. uh, you know those guys that were involved in helping get that thing going and. Got it done. I mean, yeah, they, got they, it done. They got yeah. it done. I mean, despite everything else, uh, they spent a lot of money and uh, put a lot of money in, and yeah. they were personally invested. But that they made all this happen and to make it grow and give it a presence, and uh, you know, all those things come yeah. in. And, and you've seen a lot of that. How you've been with the IGFA? Yeah, almost eleven years. Yeah, a long yeah. time. It's uh, so you've seen even in your time, you've seen a lot of it grow and develop like that as well. Well, yeah. What Carl said is like that. When he went in and meet, uh, met EK, which I never had a chance to, you know, would love to have uh, met him, but he was one of uh, IGFA's presidents, then Mike Leach, and then Rob, and then uh, Neil, and then Jason now. Um, but the thing that Carl mentioned about being able to come in to IGFA, you know, back then on Atlantic and walk around, that still holds true. I mean, obviously with the COVID thing, we, we kind of had to limit it, but, you know, our museum's closed and everything like that, but the headquarters in the library is still there, mm-hmm. and there's tons of stuff. We welcome... We get people stopping by from all over the world that just yeah. want to come in and just, you know, they're in town. They come to Miami for Such whatever reason. Such a beautiful reason. facility. Yeah. It really is. And so, I mean, it's that whole, you know, it's an international organization, but, you know, there's a reason why IGFA headquarters is in South Florida, mm-hmm. you know? And this is, like you said, the, the bread basket, where you said the, the cradle. Yeah. yeah, well, this, I, I say, the, I, I, I say that this is the cradle of sport fishing is, is pumping. Like, I just maybe just because I have that optic on it you know what i mean um but i always say as a marine life artist like for me to be anywhere else in the world other than south florida because i feel like south florida itself is just the mecca yeah it it really no question uh, about it all 
You know no question. I mean? You can the, go to Costa the, Rica, you go to Los Sueños and anything like that, half the guys are from here. Well, right. all, all yeah. your tackle developments occurred between this shore and Bimini. All your heavy yeah. tackle right. was developed there. Hey, and you then, look at the Dudas family and, and everything that they've done for kite fishing. Kite fishing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, come on. Revolutionized the whole game right there. I was, uh, I was in Palm Beach as a young guy, and, and uh, John Dudas Sr. came up there on the L&H, which was a Jersey boat, and it was L&H Plumbing. And uh, anyway, he came up there and just smoked that fleet, flying kites and everything, and it changed Palm Beach. Palm Beach, those guys paid attention, and mm-hmm. they switched. But he went up there, and I mean, man, he hammered yeah, And a lot of them still dead they troll, I mean, but they're, like, stuck in it. But, you know what I mean? But it really did influence that. The Stewart crowd, for sure. Yeah, the is, Stewart is still crowd, yeah. Stu- but, you know, but it's different up there because, the, the you know, the bottom – widens out the edge right. gets further offshore it's not like here where it's nice and tight and you know you've got a window where right. you've got current pushing up against the edge and everything and you got to cover know, more ground kite up the, fishing yeah. Your, yeah and you know you get those little brown bomber sharks up there that just harass your live baits all day long relentlessly so you you know you go to trolling to, to counter that and there's a lot of reasons um and and it's a you know i fished out of stewart for 20 some years mm-hmm. you know before moving down here and uh and um, so I've kind of seen both sides of it, you know, the trolling part. And, I mean, when the dredge fishing all came in and everything, I mean, I was right there when all that was happening. It was really cool. It was really cool. And, you know, then to come down here and, you know, get an education and get my ass kicked kite fishing, <laughs> you know. Seriously. Those guys here got it that Oh, in. man, like unbelievable. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, then you get to a point where, you go, okay, you know, we're, we're pretty good. And then, you know, when you get to go and fish with, like, you know, Ray Rocher and stuff, and you're picking things up, and he's telling you he's open about stuff. You know, Ray's great. He's been an unbelievable fan. Mm-hmm. He's got great equipment. I mean, he's developed all these special little intricacies for kite fishing that are, you know, great tools, and they make you better. I mean, how many times you're – I mean, we I used to fish in the tournament, and so many times you just – set up right next to him like not that far you're all just kites out the back and yeah you know that's rocher next to you yeah and you just hear it getting called over the radio non-stop and you're like yeah or or, and you're just like wait a minute yeah or we're here too or john or john louis don't tell me the bites showed off yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i mean you know you cannot disc those guys are they're they're at the top of their game yeah you know they're filling the shoes yeah they are there's no question and we're seeing it you know, and, and yeah. I, 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 you know, I contend that, you know, these are the good old days because the fishing now is uh, it's always cyclical, whether it's sailfish or white marlin or tuna, whatever. There are cycles where we have more and we have less. Um, it's the guys that understand how to take advantage of it in all situations that still rise to the top and catch the most, whether you're catching six and seven a day or 15 or 18 a day. Right. So there's always this this kind of the, the, the water mm-hmm. the water finds itself you know yeah, the, the level water finds its own level you know yeah. what i mean and yep. uh you know so those guys come and and, and they, they they find it and there's you can speak to this too like the art art sap skip dana they're regulars on the show like they come on every third or fourth episode something like that john for the we do this yeah tournament once talk. once a month yeah once a month we do this incredible. tournament talk episode and they come on and, I, and i'm blessed to have those guys yeah. come on the show all the time yeah. like that but we talk about that all the time oh, you you need more room no, no, i guess they're we're, great. He's got but, but, but there might be something Perfect. and this speaks to experience right there might be something in a tournament whether it's like half an hour before lines out and like the, just the way a wind kicks up or something like, I felt that before. I know, I know I need to go right here. Mm-hmm. You know, or I, need, I know I need to do this little thing right there. And that's when you see in the last 20 minutes of a tournament, yeah. oh, yeah, Sandman hooked up with three. Yep. Or they yeah, hit a triple, a triple or something like that. And, like, how the hell did that happen to that boat 
again. Looking at the water. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there, and there's so many things. And don't forget, those guys are on the water every day. Every day. Yeah. Okay. So they know what's going on. The tide changed at this time. We need to be up here. We need to, and those are the things you got to pay attention to. And, and that's an advantage. And that's like, yep. you know, when we fish places like Madeira and you're booked for you know, 35 days straight, which yeah. is what I did. I mean, I fished every day. I barely gave myself enough time to change oil, yes. you know, and because you're there at that spot where it can happen on any day you might catch that fish. By God, you're going to fish every damn day you can. Yeah. You know, you don't want to have a day off because, you know, it's the, the day you take off is the day it happens. Ask Bark Garnsey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. You know, the right. classic Larry Martin story. You know, Bark took the day off, and Larry Martin catches the, the all-tackle record in St. Thomas that stood for almost 30 years. Wow. You know, and Bark was not on the boat. His mate was running, Jimmy Unrath. Speaking of record, and this that just reminded me of something, right? And we can probably close with this. All right. And I, but I want to say one thing before I, I lead you up, lead you up with this. Okay. Is that this is why we started Connected by Water. And this is where, when I speak to saying like, oh, Pompo cradle of sport fishing, South Florida, the Mecca of all this stuff like that. Right. To me, this is what fame is. Right. When you see all these people making podcasts and they're in LA or whatever, they're bringing on actors and different things like that. I can give two shits about those people. Right. Right. These are the guys that are famous to me. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, me too. And these, these are the guys that make my world. You yeah. know, these are my heroes. Yeah, the guys you, you idolize. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. these, 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 these are the heroes Skip that, that Smith, we bring. Bart Garnsey. Yeah, absolutely. Brian, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, those goes, are legends on in and my on mind. Peter B. I mean, I, yeah, come on, man. I just those know. are guys that get out and they prove it. I wanted to carry you know their I mean? lunchbox down the dock. Please, can I come with you? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. whatever it takes, man. I, you know, honestly. Absolutely, yeah. and, and, and that's really why we wanted to start this show, right? Because yeah. I wanted to bring on the real legends. Yeah, you know what I mean. You want to say that R E E L or R E A L? It means the same thing. Right, yeah. right. You know what I mean? Same deal. So one day that you had, you were on that boat that caught those three hundred something fish. Yeah. In one day. Mm-hmm. Can you take us through that a little bit? We we can close out the show with this. I want to say something before that. I, well, okay. I'll touch on yeah, that. Go ahead. You're talking about the charter, not the charter, but like uh, the guys that do this stuff and like the legends. The, it's whole, the Mag Bay one, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, going to touch it. on something yeah, else before okay. that. I grew up you know, fishing since I was a kid. You know, started in like Illinois catching catfish, right? Mm-hmm. My goal, watching Norm Isaacs and it's on TV and everything, I wanted to be a charter boat captain. When I was a kid, mm-hmm. growing up, my whole—that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to be a charter boat captain until the first time I went on a charter boat and I went out fishing. <laughs> I went with—I went with Eddie Dwyer out of Canaveral, and we did the hundred-mile trip, catch <laughs> right. yellowfin and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Wake up at three o'clock, whatever. These guys, everything have everything mm-hmm. on the boat, all rigged up, ready to go. You know, and I just realized what that did to me is like put in perspective how much hard work that yep. goes into this and long hours and time away from family, all that kind of stuff. And the guys that do this, they are legends because they give up a lot, you know, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. And seeing it from a different side, you know, having – I Their wives are legends too, apparently. Yeah. You <laughs> know, having to put up if, with it. If just, they last. Yeah, if they last. You yeah. know, I'm just saying, like, it's a, it's a tough thing. But, like, I would just say, like, hats off to all these guys that do this yeah. for a living. I mean, it's like – it's not easy. Mm-mm, you know, why I sit, you know, you know it's hard I, work, man. Luckily, I get a fish, you know, I don't get a fish as much as I want, but, you know, these guys are, you know, this is why having someone like Carl, Skip, any of these other younger guys involved with the IGFA, I mean, shit, I'm not out there seven days a week fishing. Right. I'm behind a computer, you know, like doing stuff like that. You know, I wish, you know, I'd like to be out there. I can relate. You know what I mean? I, I Listen, I got to pay the bills and keep the lights on here. You, you know, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah for so sure. So there's a there's huge, huge amount of respect that, you know, I think I have and I think the IGFA has. 
you know, because you look at back in the history, IGFA founder, Mike Lerner, who was super influential with him, Tommy Gifford, man. Tommy Gifford was his captain, and he was the guy that was out there catching fish. So, I mean, you just got to have that balance. But to the Mag Bay story. Before um, we do that, but it's a yeah. good time for a good plug for our legendary captain and crew, Tommy Gifford Award. Exactly. Yeah, I got Which is yeah. probably, I think, coming from where I came from and doing what I do, to me it's the most prestigious award uh, that can be given because it is the guys – that are busting That's shots the creme de la creme of, it is, of, of, the, the of what you, you know, if you're doing this for a living, I mean, yeah. you can achieve nothing higher. It is, it is like the biggest honor I have, honestly, is, is being on that committee and mm-hmm. being able to participate in finding who, who's there and, and doing the research. A marine life artist of eligible. Incredible. For, no. Incredible. <laughs> Hall of Fame, yes. Hall yeah. of Fame, yes. Yeah. But not yeah. the Tommy Giver, which is why it's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Because yeah. you can, like, like Carl saying, Hall, IGFA Hall of Fame. Which, you know, it's like Baseball Hall of Fame, Football Hall of Fame. It's like the greats of the sport. And, and you know, you get guys like for the Football Hall of Fame. You got like Chris Berman, right? A, mm-hmm. a commentator or someone like that. Right. I think he's in there. Um, and that's what the Hall of Fame kind of is. You know, mm-hmm. you get guys like, you know. In, people like, who've had impact from the industry in general. Right. Conservationists. You know, like guys like, um, uh, man, what's his name? Uh, well, you got guys like Guy Harvey, who's an artist, mm-hmm. conservationist. You got, you know, anglers. You have captains. You have... Um, John Graves, Dr. John Graves, who's done, you know, Barbara Block, these huge people have done great uh, conservation work for the organization. But the Tommy Gifford Award is strictly for captains, Mm -hmm. right? Captains and mates and people that have, you know, live it. Performers of the sport. Exactly. You know, and you can have some of those that trickle over to the Hall Mm -hmm. of Fame as well. But this is designated for for those guys and and, and ladies that that do that. Um, Yeah. So... I don't know. It's a, the Tommy Gifford Award is something that, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily know about the IGFA. You right. Know? We have these events every year. This year is a little different. But, I mean, you're talking guys like, uh, you know, Gary Stuve, you know, Steve Lassley, uh, Bart Garnsey, the legends, you know. Mm-hmm. These are the guys that are, you know, the best of the best. Yeah. And the people that put, honestly, people that put people in the Hall of Fame on the fish. Yeah. Right. Put it that way. Right. True story. Yeah. So, um, that, was a, that was a good good segue there but uh yeah no i'm I'm glad you mentioned that for sure because i mean it's a big deal i mean sometimes i see sometimes like knowing the igfa for as long as i have i sometimes assume that people know everything that goes on with the industry of what it's all about and everything like that but maybe it's you're right we gotta like lay things out like that and say no this is this is igf freaking a you know what i mean it's it's like this is you can get like this is the authority Yep. of this industry yep. and i firmly believe that like it's yep. like we're <laughs> yep like i said the other day on fly sing when the igfa opens their mouth everybody listens well we take that because seriously. they have to we take it seriously yeah we take it seriously um another serious question here mm-hmm. would it screw up your podcast if i took a quick restroom <laughs> no no but no. I, but i think but i before think before we the mag bay before we talk about mag bay oh no you can go i'll, I'll just yeah, bullshit with carl i'll Give just bullshit seconds. with carl <laughs> Sorry, so listen, I'm, wa- getting- I'm watching the clock too. Listen, we got to talk. I'm hurting. Are we getting close? <laughs> yeah. What? To to memory lapse or whatever? No, no. I got to I got to Oh, go you got to go too? too? Yeah. All right. These guys uh, we're going to we're going to say a bunch of crap about <laughs> they've, Jack. They've never spent a day on the on the bridge where you yeah. can't pee. Right. Yeah. Right. So you got to hold it. You know, like yeah. Yeah, that's one thing you learn running a boat like, you know. John's a snook master. Like. Oh. Yeah, he no, he's is. talking about a different bridge on a sport fish. No, I understand. No, I, no, I, I know. 
So like when I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, but but I just wanted I just wanted them to know that he, that you are this is guy yeah. is a very uh, good angler. When I moved to Stewart, man, let me tell you that was chasing those snook was I was like infected with it. I, oh I yeah, it. oh my god, that's an so area. Oh. Snookosaurus. I'm spo- totally I, I'm weird. supposed to go fishing with my buddy George God soon. He, he's a snook authority up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that place is. Man, fun. Need to go. Need to go soon while they're I still know. stacked I up on the I was just talking ridges. to them a little bit this morning, but about it. But yeah. I got I do have to go. So my my issue. That's part of my issue with opening this place lately. Is like I've I've been turning down like every day. Like, hey, you want to come? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, like, go, can't go. Can't go. Yeah, it's you, even even with now it's sailfish tournament season. You know what I mean? And I, and I got an open ticket on Singularis right now to go whenever I want. And yeah. I keep telling Captain and John, I'm like, not today. Not. I mean, silver sailfish derby. Yeah. I can't make it. You know what I mean? Because we're opening this place, yeah. and everything went into this place. You right got now, artwork but. to put on the walls, so I would just get your shit together. Yeah, you? I know, <laughs> I know. But I'll be, fi- I'll, so I'll probably fish the challenge. I'm mean, definitely going to be fishing the Jimmy yeah. Johnson. That's our show. So. Well, the, well, the one thing about it is, if you don't go fishing, you're you're screwing up your life because you, you need that balance. Yeah, you have you to have it. You, you really do. do. Now, what we're going to do since I'm here, right? Is we're got Taha Marine right there, a hundred feet away. Is that I'm going to do some like the you know, morning Wahoo runs and then come into work and go you know, work. Yep. stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. Nice. I already got some some plans like that dialed in. Nice, and, you know, and, and we're going to start way, making way it way easier because you're right here. Yeah, exactly. Way easier. Yeah, definitely. So, all right. So anyway, Sorry so Jack that. was saying that to me, so, and he was totally Jack, nude. And everything come out okay? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, <laughs> and then so. he was cold and naked, and yeah. that's how that story, right, Jack? That's, that's right. how that's it ended. That's how it ended. That's right. So yeah. So all right. So we are at the point in the show. Um, where you know, John, you want to you want to go, or are we going to end? All right, the, you, we're good. All right, you so. wanted you wanted him to to end. So we on, got the, on mag, the, the mag Bay story is is how we're going to close this out, right? Okay. So so let me set you up here a little bit. So there was a day um, where a crew of a lot of people, yeah, went out marlin fishing in Mag Bay, and it was a group, a group, group, group of guys. Yep. Um, By the way, great anglers, Greg Stokes. Great, you know, legends on I mean, the boat. It, yeah, for you know, sure. Uh, you, you had that was a world class deal. I think you got to know what you're doing to, to yeah. catch that many fish in one day. Yeah. Every everybody's got it's like so. Take us through the always the one thing that I always like wanted to wrap my head around or at least get some intel on was what was the process of everyone? Like you got people taking breaks, I'm sure, and maybe guys coming to have a couple of drinks, and then you're on deck. Is it like kind of like a dugout process, or what there was were, it like? There were no breaks, no, no breaks, no breaks. The breaks were between when you were running from fish to fish. So we had Lasley, Steve, Captain Steve Lasley. Uh, legend, legendary captain, Tommy Gifford Award recipient. Right. And um, how many how many fish were caught in in on this day? Three hundred something. Three hundred and fifty seven or something like that. I don't know. I don't have three hundred and sixty or something. I don't know. All blue marlin. No, all striped marlin. Right? All striped marlin. All striped marlin. Okay. Um. So, I'd never been to Mag Bay. This was November twenty nineteen, and uh, got the invitation to go, which was incredible. Uh, extremely grateful for that, and. It was something like I've never seen before, right? Because it's all live bait, and you're fishing from this 92-foot boat. And you're not fishing from the front of the boat or from the back of the boat. You're fishing from the front. And there's a pulpit on this boat, right? So we – let me just put it in – so there's there's a mothership operation. So and this is Anthony, Bad Company. Anthony Shea. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's team Bad Company, the, you know, the head guy there. I mean, right. he's the he's – the, you know, he, he's the, the boss, right? And so it's the 144, is there, they have a boat, the 144, which is not a fishing boat, but they do fish off of it, which is just a giant, mm-hmm. awesome palace, you know, and just a floating uh, mothership, right? And then they have this 92-foot boat, which is their fishing boat. And so, Skiff. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. 
And so the anyways. over your head, right? Yeah. So we would, uh, you know, we get on the boat in the 92 in the morning, and you got Lasley, Anthony, uh, a couple other guys up in, you know, uh, in the bridge with these gyro binoculars, right? And I've never really had much experience with them, but they're just like these you know, super incredible thousand dollar binoculars you probably know i've never used it before yeah but they're awesome they're nuts and you can see i mean so anyways these guys immediately start just like terminology that i'm fishing i'm not saying i'm like an expert like these guys but you know i've been around so i can i know terminology this is completely different terminology it's all west coast guys you know Mm -hmm. all from california and uh you know they're talking oh there's there's feeders there's tailors there's Swimmers or whatever, you know, all these different types of fish. But anyways, it's just like it's something out of National Geographic when you get up there in Magbay. No floppers. There's probably floppers. I don't know. Yeah. There are all these yeah. different terminologies, right? They're saying all this different stuff. So you get out there and you know, you find a pack of birds, right? There's just birds galore, right? You know, like like something here that if you saw off the coast of Florida, you just like, my God, we're in it, you know? Like, but they're all over the place. Packs, packs, packs. So you locate a pack and you go one, you know, Lasley's running and gunning. You find a pack, and they're all on these big bait pods, right? So we're loaded up with bait, and they have a bait tank right at the bow of the boat. And there's this pulpit. So you pull up on the fish, and you're like, all right, they're here. This is where we're going. Everyone get ready. So all these guys who are used to this, I had never seen this shit in my life. So right? let me and, let me interrupt you yeah. here real quick. Quick question. So this is a one-day record they're shooting for. Nah, yeah, well, or a 24-hour it was record? a one-day record, right? It was a yeah, one-day. I'm just trying to understand the parameters of what they're trying to fulfill. Yeah, not 24 hours. Like, you start fishing at... Six or seven right. in the morning, and then whenever sundown, sun up the it sundown. was one day, not okay. like a twenty-four hour period. Sun During light time, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. it was just trying to look for one day, you know. And and we had a meeting on the one forty-four the night before the first day of fishing, and, and we went over stuff. I mean, everyone was like, and we had, the, you know, they didn't bring me along for this reason, but you know, IGFA guy here, um, you know, what do you, you know, what's, you know, tell us what the legality is for, you know, what we can do. I mean, you guy can't hand off rods, you can't do this stuff like that, so. You know, there's some times and things like that happen. And the fish weren't weren't counted. And you, know? you you guys had a crew there, or is it just you? It was just me. Just it was just you. me. But I was just there because I had met Anthony several years ago uh, when we were out in California for something, and and you know just kept in touch with him, and um, you know gave me the invitation to come out there. So no pistols to the head, no Manila envelopes getting passed <laughs> no. back. All right. No, and here's the thing though: IGFA doesn't keep records for this stuff, right? We right. don't keep records for okay. most fish okay. in the so, day. So yeah. so it's a street record. No, it's just like yeah. you know. We don't keep records for gotcha. that. So we keep records for heaviest fish per, you know, line class or okay. tickle class or whatever. So it, there was no release record. So he just IGFA wanted you does. there just to be like, make sure this is legit so nobody can say anything. Yeah. Maybe. I don't okay. know. I don't gotcha. know what the, the motivation for is. Beyond uh, for being a master angler. Well, beyond just, you know, having met the guy. Right. And, you know, and trying to get him involved with the organization more okay. over the years, you know. Yep. Um, and so anyways, we were out there and then we had the meeting, like the whole crew meeting the night before. Like, this is what, you know, we're going to do. And. Um, you know, Lazzy was like, well, you know, we're going to fish this IGFA compliant and fish that, you know, are handed off or fish that someone screws up on, you know, we're not, you know, we're going to be keeping account up here. So every mm-hmm. time someone sells release, you know, I'll be able to see which one's legit. You know, so we go to this whole thing. I'm like 300 fish. I'm like, I'm like, hey, I'm excited. I'm like, there's no, sh- there's no way we're going to catch 350 marlin yeah. in a day. Like, are you kidding me? That's bullshit. Like, I mean, maybe sailfish somewhere. I just didn't, I was like, all right, well, maybe, maybe I don't know. But I tell you what, man, it is, it was something like I had never seen before. So we get up there and all these guys are used to this in California. I guess that, you know, it's a, a common practice where you, you go to the bow using conventional reels, like a, shit, we had Talicas, you mm-hmm. know, stuff like that and all these different things. And they, they probably have like 30 or 40 pound test, um, short leaders, you know, like, you know, maybe, you know, 10, 20 foot leaders, something like that. Nothing crazy. And, uh. 
and it was just there's a big difference between 10 and 20 feet yeah yeah but i mean these are all it's not up to 30 what you're allowed to have you know they're fairly short leaders right because they're casting right you know because you're you up to the fish and the fish are there and you see them i mean from here to your wall right there yeah fish are swimming around as many like tons of them cast out so anthony was always the first guy up there anthony hooks and then have these probably like 20 or 30 rods right up there on the bow 10 anglers probably at a time so you go up you're right on top of this bait ball you make a cast maybe 30 feet anthony comes off the pulpit goes to the other side next person up cast off the other side next person cast other side next person cast other side so it's like 10 people in a matter of a minute have baited and probably hooked God. A striped marlin. It's like a, just like, like a catfish d- 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 farm. Yeah, right. I, I didn't even participate in the first like couple. Of t- I, I didn't know what was going on. I would hang out in the back of the boat when we'd go from one place to another, and we'd have squid teasers out, and a fish would come up on there, and I'd pitch it to that, and I'd hook it up. Because I, I don't know how to cast a conventional. Right. You know, you're right. trying to cast a talica yeah, you're, you're 30, 40 yards. You know? it out. Yeah. Exactly. So I didn't want to be that kook out there. I'm yeah, the only yeah. Florida guy. You know, I don't want to be that guy. So I'm like, no, I'm going to hold off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch. You better go kite fish and learn how to cast those goggle eyes out away from the boat. <laughs> so anyways, we we uh, we did that. And uh, honestly, it was just nonstop. You get on a pot of fish and then you'd catch however many fish were that were going to eat off that pot. And last year we'd make the call. I'm like, all right, we're moving. So... That was the first day. I think I didn't think we got it. Yeah, we did get it the first day. So like halfway through the day, I was just trying to go over there and I was just making a fool out of myself, like casting this thing off. I could maybe call a couple of them. But I was like, you know what? Why? What I noticed, like to this whole well-oiled machine, which wasn't there, no one was helping people like leader and kind of like pop off fish and break fish off or cut fish off. You know? Right. So it was getting hung up. You had someone by the boat, or you had a fish by the boat, and the guy's like, oh, I can't get it off, can't get it off. So I was like, you know what? Screw this, you know, I'm just going to go, I'm going to get some gloves, I'm just going to be the leader guy. You know, so I just ran around and started That's just going and, move. and just going and helping, you know, because then, then yeah. you had people. That was so, probably big in actually getting that done well, that day. You're right, because that keeps your time yeah. framed. It's like turning yeah. a table in a restaurant. So you go, you go, boom, nice. fish Thank off, you. release, Lasley marks it, take the rod back. You had a guy there that was kind of re-rigging, or two people there that was kind of re-rigging, putting a hook back on, whatever, and then you're back out there. And it was just continuous. And you'd probably well, I'm sure catch. you got pretty good at releasing Maybe it's not that hard, you know? No, I mean, no, I'm it, saying it, it, these you fish get a pretty, that big. pretty good rhythm, you know? Yeah, these fish aren't that big, you know? They're maybe 100 pounds, 120 yeah. pounds max. You know, like you're pulling on big fish. But um, then it was just like you probably catch 50, roughly 50 fish off each pod, right? Wow. So you hit a pod. All right, they're done. Next one. Go, find it, get on it. You probably catch two or three on the way there that would come up. Um, they actually didn't even like us pitching back there because they would kind of cut down their time to mm-hmm. get to the next pod, but... Dude, it was it was just insane. It was like a whirlwind, and uh, you know, like I said, it was it was it was an incredible opportunity, um, and something that was just like it, it was seeing these guys who have all kind of been together. You know, you got like Stotesberries, yep. um, you got Jimmy Decker, you got Charlie Albright, Jock Albright, his dad, uh, legends out there mm-hmm. in Southern California, yep, um, sure. and you know, these guys know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I was the I was a, I was a learner. I was the apprentice. You know, I, right, I, I sit right. there. I was like, whoa, I don't know how this thing works. And it was just an incredible synergy between the whole crew and everything like that. And I just kind of found my, found my niche. Yeah. And but I probably I say I found my niche being the leader guy. But I probably caught a dozen fish wow. on the trip. We were there wow. for I think three days. Ended up with nine hundred fish total. I think three or four <laughs> days. Um, <laughs> and it's it was nuts, man. Mag Bay is an incredible place. Um, and you know. It's a it's a very incredible operation that they have there. And, wow! Uh, what a great what a great trip. 
I, like, trip that's of a lifetime. Like, yeah, trip of a lifetime. Yeah. Exactly. It really was. For sure. And you get to stay on this 144-foot floating palace, dude. I mean, it was awesome. It was crazy. With, I, like, hostesses and, uh, you know, service. And oh, yeah. Yeah, you get off, the, you get on the boat, and it's like, oh, what kind of cocktail would you like? Yeah. Here's a... Here's an egg roll or something. You know, some kind of crazy cuisine. That, you know, right. I was like, full oh. kitchen, full chef, full. I was full, like, yeah, awesome. You know, like your bed's made. You know, was, whoa. You, know, you didn't just, make your own bunk. I did. I just pulled myself up. I felt bad. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a bunk, man. It was. Yeah, I, wish, yeah, I yeah. wish it was. A, it wasn't a bunk. It was a bed. Um, but uh, it was. It was an incredible experience and yeah. learned a lot. Yeah. You know, and uh, great to meet those guys. I mean, those guys out in California. I know we say here is like the the mecca, but. Southern California's got. No, that's a, true. You know, they've you, got you, a you lot of passionate. Dis- you don't want to dismiss those guys at no. all. Very, yeah. very passionate. Very hey, a lot of history. Catalina Island with the bluefins and stuff. I mean, that's you know, Charles Holder. He was he was he was one of the early guys. Mm-hmm. And they and they conversed back to the East Coast to guys that were fishing off of New, off of New Jersey and catching bluefin tunas. Mm-hmm. Captain Tom Jones, one of the first guys, you know, and, and uh, who's one of our legendary captain and crew. Uh, he was the first guy to repeatedly catch bluefin tunas on the east coast uh-huh. and uh he they can you know he had contact and zane gray writing letter you know how do we how are you catching these fish uh-huh. you know and that's that's you know zane gray met uh captain mitchell up in nova scotia and, uh-huh. and mitchell became his guy that traveled with him all over the world on the fisherman one and the fisherman two built him two skiffs in nova scotia that they put on the ship to go around and fish and then they built skiffs in new zealand on the second round and uh you know but Again, it's the captain that each of these guys met. Anthony Shea has Steve Lastly. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. get any better. Right. Right. So, you know, there's that connection always with the guy who's making it happen. Yeah, what we, yeah. we should do we should do a tournament circuit like, you know, California comes to Florida and then Florida goes to California and see yeah. how everyone does. Yeah. yeah, it's I mean that'd be kinda cool. Yeah, it's uh it was impressive. And the cool thing is about the Anthony and Steve relationship is that Steve is the only captain that's ever run Anthony's boats before. Up until I don't know how many years ago it was, uh, he, Anthony ran his own boats mm-hmm. and like fish, you know, doing the biz, you know, fishing down in Cabo and that whole area down there. And then I think he hired Steve to come on board like 20 years ago or something. Mm-hmm. I, I'm saying 20 could be something else. I don't know, but hired him to come along. And since then, it's it's been only Steve that's run his boats for him, which is kind of cool. You know, yeah, kind of a cool story. But uh, they've done some cool stuff, and it was an awesome trip, man. It was it was nuts, absolutely nuts. I got to tell you, man, John, what do you think? I mean, it's, it, we took a month off from the podcast because of the move and everything like that and everything, but I cannot think of a better way to kick it back off. Oh, that was a banger. Man, you guys are awesome. <laughs> cool. I mean, yeah, Thanks cool. for having I us. Could I, sit, I could sit here all day. Damn right Thanks cool. for having us. Well, we know you could sit here all day. <laughs> <laughs> Give him another rum. He'll <laughs> talk for a week. Where's the Bible? I'm just <laughs> 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 reading you some verses. <laughs> Noah's Ark. Oh, we, we, are, yeah, we, already, we already heard the story of Noah's Ark. So. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That's right. So, you guys, uh, listen, I would love to have you guys on the show again. I mean, please. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and, you know, we're Pleasure right around here, the corner. Man. So, Pleasure being Carl, here. I, I, ho- I, hope, um, I hope we continue this. Absolutely. Uh, what started off as a great friendship here Absolutely. today. So, no, no question um, about it. So, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming in today, guys. This has been an outstanding podcast, and, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, and you guys also settled a lot of nerves for me from, you know, setting up in the new place. And um, I'm pretty sure you settled a lot of nerves for John, too, because he's <laughs> actually really the one that puts all this together. I just sit here and talk. Either us um, or the Papas did that nerve settling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? It, it, yeah. Helps. it <laughs> helps a little bit. It helps a little bit. So, all right, cool. Let's, so, listen, IGFA tournament. 
Yep. February 6th is the 9th day? to the 11th. 9th to the 11th. I got that wrong. Yep, no, that's so, all right. 9th to the 11th, sign up today. Yep, yep. 9th, 9th to the 11th, sign up today. Where can um, they go to sign up now? Pre-register. IG, IGFA.org. Okay. And, and we have uh, some prominent uh, you know, tournament signage on the on the homepage there, so you should yep. be able to find it pretty easily. If you just Google IGFA Light Tackle Open, it'll take you right Thumbs to the page, there, too. Yeah. And you'll get a custom-designed... Uh, that's right. Water, Dennis Friel design Absolutely. performance shirt. Too, best of luck with the new place, man. Thank you yes. very really, much. I really wish you the best of luck. Thank I know you. it's going to be a good success. I'm a little nervous because we haven't opened our doors to the public yeah. yet. We obviously we still got paper on the windows here, yeah. you know. So, but um, I'm come. a little nervous. But I guess that's people have been telling me that that's a good thing. That it'll nervous, it'll so. come. Yeah. Um. So we'll, we'll be all right. I think. Hopefully, uh, just uh, you know. But we're home. You that's know it. So that's it. We've we've come back. Yeah. Prodigal son here. You're in the right spot. Yeah. So and um. Become a member of the IGFA. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Join IGFA. Yeah. Join IGFA. Follow, follow Join IGFA on Instagram. At Join I, IGFA on Instagram. 20 bucks a year is, you know, you can get in for a digital membership, and you'll get all sorts of great information, all sorts of great content, stuff like that that Adrian mm-hmm. uh, produces and, and gets out, you know. So, and you'll you'll be supporting the future of fishing. So, yep. um, it's, we do a lot of good work. Not only just records. I know we talked about that today, but we do a lot of, Good work. You with, do. With I mean, teaching that, kids to fish and uh, protecting our fisheries and advocating on behalf of anglers and uh, advocating on behalf of fish. You know, mm-hmm. um, so we've been around for eighty-one years, and uh, you know, I don't think we're yeah. going anywhere. So, I basically the moral of the story is: is if uh, you don't know about the IJFA by now, then you yeah. know what rock you've been living yep. under. So, <laughs> all right, oh, yep. cool. Get all involved. Right. That's it. So your ego is not your amigo, right? <laughs> Always do your best, and then just let God do the rest. Um, and uh, if you're in the market for a truck or a Jeep or another vehicle, you head over to our boys at Joey Cardi Chrysler Jeep Ram. They will hook you up. Ask for Dean. He's my buddy. Mm. And he, if he hears that you came from me, then he might be inclined to give you a better deal than most people would get. So uh, talk to Dean. And um, also, um, you know, if you're thirsty, and I know you are, <laughs> right? Settle up with some Papa's Pilar rum, right? We might have a couple more here <laughs> after the show, it sounds like. we got a lot more to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if you're hungry, head over to the other Papa's. Papa's Rob, our good Rob buddies Bar. over there. You, Troy mm. Ganter and Cassie Ganter got that operation dialed Great spot. in. The place right? is awesome. Yep, they weathered the uh, COVID storm like yeah. like champs, and yeah. then now they're up and running and thriving. I'm, and I'm they got bummed. the new barrel room over there. I am so bummed, man. I just... I. Finally settled in with that spot. I was over here, and then I moved. You know, I was living right over by, right behind them. Oh, really? Right behind uh, in the LHP there. Yeah, right over yeah. there. I was living right off of 49th. Yeah, you know, back over there, and mm-hmm. then uh, and we just moved. So I, I'm I'm Jones and Papa's yeah. Raw Bar, man. I haven't had All it. Right. Well, know? next time you come in, I'll make sure that we're catered. Ah, oh, right. now we're talking. Yeah, so we'll do this again. Won't so. leave. It'll be like a six-hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, do not ever forget that we are always. Connected, connected by, water. by water. Connected yeah. by water. Thank you, guys. Very Thank much. you, man. Appreciate right. it. Yep. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Oh, that's awesome. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.